We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you guys listen to another episode of the Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month. You guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way, we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale in the building. One day late this week, but it's because we're busy. Hell, we're we're getting into crunch time. Next week, it is going down in Las Vegas, May 23rd, downtown Las Vegas, the Nerd Bar Corner and Friends Podcast featuring views from the seven and red cups and wine glasses. Uh, man, that, that show is moving. The tickets are on sale now. There's three days left to cop tickets to that. So that's going to be real fun kicking off Memorial Day weekend when uh, everyone's just starting to come into town for StarCast. So that's going to be a great night down there. And then, of course, our StarCast show, May 25th, 1 p.m., Tuscany Stage. 
man, just wrestling with stereotypes. Amazing guest on that show. By now, you guys have seen the flyer. Kaz is going to be there. Kenny King, Willie Mack, uh, local kid Chris Bay. Man, I feel like I'm still missing a couple of people, right? Yeah, so, you got Marty Bell. Um, is that it? Kaz, Marty Bell, Kenny King, Willie Mack. And Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so we got five people there. But, man, a, a huge, huge level of support for that show coming through. Con- Conrad gave us the, the crazy rub on the Xbox podcast trying to put us over, which which is super cool. And people genuinely are excited to see us pull off this this showcase and, and this panel and the subject matter, which you know I you know I step back, I take a bow to the old man Andreas Hale for for randomly sitting there and being like, yo, you know what? I want to do a panel. And I want it to be about this. And I'm just like, oh okay, shit. Well I guess that's what it's about. And lo and behold, this is what people care about. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. From the beginning, I knew the idea that I had was because, you know, we're fans of pro wrestling and we're African-American and nobody really talks about that. Being fans, being a pro wrestler, being a part of the business, um, speaking to somebody like Kaz or, you know, being a kid and and watching Junkyard Dog and and your favorite black wrestlers never really getting far. And then, uh, you know, the... Obviously, Kofi Kingston winning the title at WrestleMania and how people reacted to that. I think the conversation of representation and, and, and of minorities in pro wrestling is one that hasn't really been discussed. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Booker T, him losing to, to Triple H at that WrestleMania that everybody remembers and how everybody was pissed off about that, how that was handled. Um, but yeah, it's so many things to talk about. Unfortunately, I know there's some people who's like, well, where's the Asian representation? Or where's this? And I'm like, yo, it's our first show. So we're trying. <laughs> we're, listen, I try to book everybody under the sun for this show. Um, it's just, yeah, schedules didn't permit. But we, we tried to get as diverse of a collection as we could. Yeah, so that, that's, you know, this is one of, of many, hopefully. And uh, obviously, the support of the people will dictate whether we get to do this again uh, and again and again. Because... Talking to a few people, they was like, this should be something that should be t- discussed often. This shouldn't be just a one-off. I mean, the show right now is an hour long. Um, we're pushing the stretch it a little bit further because it's going to be really hard to, you know, <coughs> put a, what is that, 50, 60 years of pro wrestling into one hour <laughs> show. So yeah, With five different people's perspective on right. those 60 years of wrestling. It's crazy. So, you know, there's going to be more opportunities for us to discuss this, hopefully. But we need the support. We need the support of the people. Um, obviously, we're getting the support of wrestlers. X-Pac, I, firsthand, I know that he was really excited when he heard about this. Um, you know, people know Sean Waltman as X-Pac or Six from WCW Days. But this is a conversation that he's interested in. And, and the funny thing is, he's out here supporting it and, and, and pushing it. And our panel is the same time as his panel. About I think it's like a 30-minute difference. And from what I've heard, he's going to try to make it back down for our panel. Um, but yeah, man, so is, this is what we've been holding on to for a while. This has been in the works since, uh, I believe I mentioned, back in January when I first met Conrad and had a conversation. He was like, well, pitch me an idea and let's talk about it. And I, uh, I was like, well, shit, you're in my city. We're black men in pro wrestling. What conversation is not being had? Minorities in pro wrestling. So boom, there it is. Uh, for, again, the first of many, please come support. It's free. Tuscany Suites is free. We are also recording the show. It'll be on YouTube once the show wraps up. Uh, we're doing a highlights piece on sporting news, and I'm sure we're going to post the entire video as well. 
but you know, having your bodies there would be paramount to 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 us. It would mean a lot to us, and it mean a lot to the people that are going to be speaking at this panel. Yeah, man, I'm excited. It's time's just slipping away. It, it's it's coming quick. So five days from now, the first show. One week from now, it'll be that Starcast show. So I'm excited. It's going to be a, a fun week. Uh, for all of these things, I'll be 31 years old, creeping into my old age. The the hot takes are not slowing down. I just want to let people know. They're still coming fast and furious, people. Don't worry. I, I'm still the same Kel. I forgot even what we were beefing about in our, our group chat yesterday, but Andres oh, was on me for something yesterday. Yeah, you said Kenny Omega needs the WWE for his leg. That, that I did. Yeah, we yeah. talked about it on this show. That's what it was. Exactly. Yeah. And I've conceded a bit and said maybe AEW can do what he needs for his legacy as well. But yes, his legacy now? No, no, no. Not cemented. And we'll talk about that a little later in the show. Um, man, so yeah, it's crazy. It's a whirlwind of things. Before we get into combat sports on this show, it was also a whirlwind of crazy shit on Twitter. And I feel like we have to dive into all of this nonsense before we can get into the combat sports because it, it just, it really took over my timeline on what, you know, Andreas calls his, his reset days of the week, Monday and Tuesday, where he tries to reset from combat sports. Yeah. And it was just foolishness on the timeline. I was like, oh, what a perfect time for me to get the old man's opinion because he'll actually see this on his timeline. Uh, First up, and we're going through like, it's like four random ass crazy topics that hit me this week. Um, first up, Lamar Odom is in the news. Why? There's no good reason for Lamar Odom being in the news in 2019, except he's doing interviews. He happens to be sober again, and he's kind of just saying, fuck it. He's spilling it all. And he says, I guess this is a running tally because it, it should just be growing. He has slept with over 2,000 women. Yeah. Is this number even achievable? We, we've heard of like old school, what, Wilt? It was yeah. Wilt who said he did 10,000? Mm-hmm. Which is just astronomical. But in the 70s and 80s, okay. Like, it was, I don't know, man. Studio 54 is probably a giant orgy. If you're counting everyone in the building, maybe your numbers can go up. Today, 2,000? 2,000 sounds ridiculous. Um, the only reason why 2,000 women sounds ridiculous is when do you stop counting? That's my question. Like, yo, after you get past like 100, I, I kind of figure people just stop counting. So yeah. I mean, I to even ballpark 2,000 is a shitload. Because if you're at 1,876, to even be close to 2,000 is, is ridiculous. I just, yo, I just, I don't see. That can't be right. Yeah, like, I tried to do, like, quick math of this. I I think it'd have to be a new woman every other day during his playing career. But I I will say this. I'm not saying that he can't do it. I'm saying that it's unlikely that he's kept track to know that it's 2,000. Like, I think it's achievable. Like, I think NBA players or athletes and celebrities, you know, you get your choice of women. So I I don't think it's... That far fetched because Odom is about forty now, so you know, uh, was that a hundred women a year for twenty years? It's possible. 
I don't think it's impossible. It's just the keeping track thing is baffling to me. Yeah, it's I, one woman every three days for 15 years. A new woman every three days for 15 years. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, threesomes and all that jazz. And so you got to. You women. got to. At one point, you got to mix in four or five at a time. Like, that's but the I'm, only way. He's been married twice. Yeah, that doesn't matter, though. I, I mean, what is that? <laughs> I, I guess. For him. Like, you can't. I mean, at this point, to get those numbers, you can't have any periods of faithfulness. At no. all. Zero. Yeah, and a lot of people don't have periods of faithfulness. He's an NBA player. Like, think about it. Lamar Odom at 40 because he was a man in high school, yeah. right, before he went to Rhode Island. Like, he was one of the consensus number one players in the nation coming out of high school because this dude was gunning three-pointers from, like, the half-court line. I remember this. So, you know, if he's 40, I mean, we're still we're probably looking at 24 years of sexual activity from an NBA player. Yeah, it's just, I just, it's just for me, for as, as smacked as he was on drugs, it's hard for me to believe that the man could count to a thousand when it comes to women over the course of 20 years. That's all I'm saying. That's very true. It doesn't even sound fun. Like, you you throw out the number 2,000, like, maybe he's like, yo, this sounds cool. That shit doesn't even sound fun. No, at a certain point, it's just like, yo, what are you doing? Like, Yeah, like, I feel like he left a lot of time on the table. Like, do you know how mean his jump shot would be if he just capped himself at 800? But, you know, and my other question is, you know, is the NBA player right? And, and I did say you have the pick of the litter, but there's had to be a, quite a few ducks among them, them oh, 2,000. You're, you're not smashing 2,010s by, by no means. Law, law of averages say you got at least 500 threes, maybe some fours. Yeah. I, I mean, I, IG helps, right? So IG, Twitter, it's kind of shrunk the world. When you get a little money, I mean, obviously he OD'd at the what's that, the chicken ranch here in Pahrump. Yeah. So he was smashing some of those. And let me tell you guys, those are not all tens over there. Um, so, I mean, uh, he paid for some good looking ones. NBA, Twitter, Instagram brought him a couple good looking ones. Outside of that, you just randomly going to bars on the road. Yeah, you're smashing like a couple, a, a couple ones where you're just like, uh, yeah, I can't claim that one. Didn't didn't he also say that he's watched like every porn ever? Yeah, he like, says he has a sex addiction. So this, this just sounds like a man who was smacked. Like uh, just you know, <laughs> that's a lot of time. Like I don't like yo like without skipping. Like that's that's a lot of porn. And when did porn become free? Like two thousand six, two thousand seven. I mean, before then you had to download a LimeWire. There's just a lot of shit going on to watching every porn ever. I'm just saying, Lamar Odom, if you spent that much time betting women, you could have been MVP, dog, if you would have just focused on your game. That's it. Just a little more work. If he cuts that in half, he was already six man of the year. He has right. the rings. He would have had one hell of a career. Now we know. Because coming out of high school in New York, everyone's like, he, he was kind of projected, not like quite to LeBron James level, but people thought he was going to be like a superstar of that nature. Because he's 6'11", can handle the rock. He was a 6'11 point guard for all purposes. Yeah. And he should have been dynamic. He should have been the Greek freak before the Greek freak. And he spent too much time, too much time with the porn. I, I need Stephen A. to go on air and say, get off the porn. Like he does with the weed. I need that. Because Lamar, it's unbelievable to think someone can spend that much time on porn. And sex, and be right. good at anything. Yeah. It's crazy that he was a, a league 
like an all-star in the NBA. How he found time, I'll never know. So yeah, that, that shit was crazy. To come out of that interview, too, one of the funniest things, I will say, everything else is kind of stupid that, that we're going to talk about, but I want to throw it in. This is actually hilarious, and there's no proof behind this, but Twitter took this and ran. Lamar Odom said sometimes Khloe Kardashian wouldn't shower for a couple days. This spun into another conversation where someone, for some reason, it might have been like Miley Cyrus or something. It was one of these famous white singers or something. And they were like, oh, that's okay. Showering for not showering for a couple days is nasty. But sometimes they don't shower and wash from under their thigh down. Like there's no lathering or soap from thigh down. And it was like, uh, it spun into like, oh yeah, white women don't wash underneath their knees. And this shit took on a life of its own. Dre, I know you you and the wife are clean freaks. Especially my wife. Especially like germapho like, listen, I, I go to your house, it's spotless. Spotless. It's, it's immaculate. The downstairs bathroom, and I'll tell this to anyone. You know Dre is clean by the value of his downstairs bathroom. This shit is spotless. It's not even like they use spotless. There's like three different types of hand towels, napkins for you to dry your hands with and shit. It's incredible. So to picture someone not taking a shower for several days, could you even wrap your mind around being with someone like that? I know you can, because obviously with your wife, it's just like, you can't even think of, fathom that. I would love to know what she thought of it. Oh, what you would think. I mean... You know, the whole concept of, yeah, this thing really just spin out of control. Um, <laughs> By the not, way, I found some white people who do clean under their legs. And Elena is half white. And I've, you know, she, she showers constantly. And she does lather and wash everything, including her feet. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> important. I mean, you know, it's weird to me, like, no, like people that don't use, like, washcloths. And oh, I don't like washcloths. I, I, I'm a loofah guy. If I go somewhere, I will buy a loofah. But you need something, though. You need right? something. Like, you I, 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 use your hands. I'm not right? going bar to balls. That's a no-go. <laughs> like, like, on the real, like, I can't, we can't be sharing a bar of soap. That's way too personal. I know people who share the entire bar of soap through the crib. Like, the Ooh. whole household uses the same bar. That's filthy. Ooh. That's filthy. So if <laughs> if Chloe Kardashian is not like if she takes a shower and is not washing her leg, I don't understand. Like, why would you do something Chloe like Chloe didn't wash her ass for several days at a time? Other white women do not wash their legs and or feet. But I mean, they're right there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really lazy, is what it is. <laughs> you know, it, you know, there's shortcuts in life. You know, yeah. sometimes you in you know a dash, or you know, you may use Listerine before you brush your teeth. That's a shortcut. But to just completely avoid washing your legs. I get the bottom of the feet. Like, I understand, like, maybe you won't pick up the bottom of your foot and scrub the bottom. Maybe. And I see a lot of girls down, you know, we urban loitering. We see women drunk, taking their shoes off. Of course. And they got the black foot. Oof. Oh, the black foot. It is horrible. But, you know, you just can't cake all that on in one night. So I'm just assuming sometimes they don't wash the bottom of their feet. Well, yeah, yo, look, this is a combat sports podcast, but there's nothing that grinds my gears more, and I, I, I'm sure this is my wife too, than than dirty heels. Like, how do you get your heels just so filthy? Like, and you're right, that takes time to accumulate that kind of dirt. Oh yeah, like, and to get it off, like, I understand. 
listen, bless the hearts of everyone who works at a nail salon. Because to go in for pedicures and just, you just got to scrape layers of dirt and grime off of these women's feet. Because it's just caked on. Wow. How do you even live? I don't don't understand. It's gross. Anyway, we need to move on. (laughs) Just, it's a gross. But I was just wondering, oh no, this is supposed to get me into old man Andrea's story time. So hold on, don't don't fast forward. Have you ever had to tell someone to clean up their personal hygiene? Have you ever been in a position where you know, like a friend, you'd be like, "Yo," you get to the point where you're like, "Yo, you gotta wear deodorant," or "Yo, you gotta shower." Like you, you're fucking up the flow. Mm, no, nah, actually, I haven't. Not not. I mean, you know, kids like no kids are. I mean, does, oh, that, a lot of kids go through a smelly phase. Like yeah. there was a period of time. And I feel like a lot of people, like when I had to go in there and like my daughter would take a shot and she'll hate this, but she'll listen to podcasts. I don't care. And she's 14 now, but she would go into the shower. I don't know if she was sitting on the toilet or what, and then hopping in for like three seconds and getting out. And I'd make her, when she came out of the shower, come to me, I would smell her armpits and look at the bottom of her feet. If they were not clean, I'd send her ass right back in the shower and she had to shower again. Like a whole summer, she wanted to be a dirty kid. I was like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> tough luck nope they come here smell your armpits she was like dad I was like I don't care come here let me smell your armpits nope yeah. still stink go and like dead serious and you put on deodorant today you brush your teeth today that's beyond her ass but kids are just naturally like that thankfully now she she smells better yeah see kids that, that happens but I've never had like somebody that's a friend or anything that was just like yo you need to wash ass never had that you you've oh. had this happen I'm assuming oh come on I played football Oh, well, okay. So, like, I, there was a kid in high school. And listen, everyone had a little bit of, you know, everybody smelled a little bit. Like, it's football, right? So, I mean, for when I grew up, our team was still a little weird and different, I guess. Because we would shower. and We had showers. So, we would shower after practice, especially in the summers. So, like, we, we had showers, blah, blah, blah. Um, they would do our laundry. Like, if we put all our football stuff in a bag and just leave it hanged up. They'd wash that shit, so we'd come back and we'd have like our football clothes washed for the next day if we wanted it. So that that was cool. But still, some kids didn't shower. And I know kids at other schools who don't even take showers anymore. Like that shit, I guess back in the day you took showers at gym class. That wasn't a thing when I was in school. So we were showered. There was this one kid, though, bless his heart, I ain't going to say his name. I'm just calling him JW. That's it, just, just initials. And my boy Rome, who listens to every episode, will know who I'm talking about. JW. His funk was so atrociously bad. It, it lasted a full year where I don't know what he was going through. He was the smelliest kid I've ever smelled in my life. And other people knew it. And people would dead ass tell him to his face. Like when you were bagging on someone, boy. Like I don't know why he was in bagging circles because they would just rip him. Rip him constantly off of how bad he smelled. And he wouldn't do shit about it. I was like, yo, listen, I understand if you don't got soap at home. If you... I went to Rancho. You know, shit at home gets a little dicey. We got showers here. Everybody got Old Spice. Old Spice or Axe body wash was everywhere. We just left that shit in the locker room. Like, you can smell good sooner or later. Yo, never. He never smelled good. And I remember going to football camp one year, and they roomed him with my boy Drew. And Drew notoriously likes his room cold. So he put the AC down to 60. So it's an icebox in this room. And then the JW kid, I almost said his real name, went in there and his funk mixed with the cold. 
Boy, you never smell anything like it. People think a hot funk is bad. No. A, a frozen tundra of funk is the worst shit you ever smell in your life, Dre. He cleaned it up midway through senior year, though. He figured it out. And uh, oddly enough, he like in adult life, I still follow him on Facebook. He's like super manicured, like suits every day, crisp haircut, like cool businessman swag. It's like, damn, man, nobody would ever know you were just a smelly kid for a year and a half. Wow. Year and a half, Dre. That shit, a, a frozen funk. Never in your life should you experience this. But I'm telling you, it's worse than 115 degree Vegas weather funk. That's, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that shit is bad. So I'm glad you haven't had to tell anyone this. Um, the other two things, well, let's roll into some more. The next two things are kind of just stupidity. Uh, First up, white school has a thug day. Oh, boy. I was shocked by this. Other people were shocked that I was shocked by this. You were shocked that I was shocked by this. Yes. I can't wrap my head around that level of stupidity. I'm still not at the point where I expect this level of stupidity. And I will call myself naive because of this. But when I see it, I'm still just baffled. And I try my hardest to put myself in the shoes of the people doing this dumb shit. And just trying to think, like, what were y'all thinking before y'all took this picture? If you guys don't know, Twitter, there was a, a white school, I think it was in California, who spirit days, you know, it's the end of the year, so it's senior week. One of their spirit days was Thug Day on Tuesday. And they dressed up in basketball jerseys, like early 2000s basketball jerseys, Iverson, fucking, what is Mellow, whatever. And they had grills in their mouth, and white girls had the corn rolls. It mind-boggling that that's Thug Day. Why is it so mind-boggling? On two levels. One, that the admin at that school was like, yo, we're okay with having a Thug Day. That shit's stupid. Second, that... a. This collective of white kids, because it was more than one, it was like 12 different kids in these pictures, all went home and said, Mom and Dad, Tuesday is thug day. I need to buy these clothes for it and do my hair this way. And I need to look like a thug. And their idea of a thug was looking like a 2000s normal black person. Yes. That's, I mean, this is... Like, not dickies. And listen, you can even wear dickies. You can wear, like, you know, something that looks like prison. You could be a, a greaser thug. You, you're hilarious by saying you could be a corporate thug. You'd be so many... Why is your ideal something of normal black people? Because that's what they view black people. Like, this is coded language. Like, I, we mentioned this in our, our, our personal group chat, but, you know, years ago... Uh, when Sean Taylor died, that's what started my war with Jason Whitlock. It's because Jason Whitlock blamed hip-hop on killing Sean Taylor. And I was like, nah, the culture didn't kill Sean Taylor because burglaries and robberies and pimping and the things that people talk about in, in the music existed before the music. So what you mean to say is niggas kill Sean Taylor. It's coded language. Like, to me, that's what it is. Like, to blame a culture is one thing, but it's coded language. So, it, it, thug is coded language because when you think of thug, like I said, like I tweeted, if, if, my, if I go to a predominantly black school and it's thug day for me, I'm wearing a suit, uh, a toupee, 
and I'm gonna be a politician, you know, conservative politician trying to get Roe versus Wade overturned. That's my definition of thug. But to to white America, to mainstream America, and especially to conservative America, the concept of a thug is melanin, is and it, that that's what they consider to be scary, and that's what they consider thugs to be scary because they weren't wearing Nirvana and Blink One Eighty Two T-shirts because we all know that like. The grunge era produced their fair share of criminals and hoodlums as well. It's yeah. just not, but but they consider thugs to be black. So they 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 threw on the throwback jerseys, the corn rolls, the fronts, and they thought this shit was cute. Like we couldn't see through this semblance of racism. There was this like, yo, you're talking about black people. Like you 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 uh, coinciding the term thug with somebody who's black. Now anybody that wore a throwback jersey or wore corn rolls or had fronts in their mouth, I guarantee you that seventy percent of them. At minimum, maybe upwards to ninety percent, didn't commit ever commit a, a a crime to be considered a thug. Every, I mean, there's, I struggle to find a black man in any of our professional circles that haven't done one of those three. That that don't have a picture wearing a throwback jersey, a pair of fronts, depending on where you grew up, or cornrows. Everyone had that. One of the three. So I was like, oh, it's just it's just be black. The only thing they were missing were blackface. I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that would be going too far and making it too obvious. But that's that's the culture that we live in, man. Like we live in a culture of people who still fear black people. So when the concept of a what's a thug comes up, the immediate thing that they think about, they don't think about like somebody that shoots up a school, like Columbine shootings. That's not a thug. That's they they just they're just misguided white youth, right? But when it comes to a thug. That's what it looks like to them. A rapper. And what are rappers mostly? Black. It's so, even worse. They, they didn't dress up like Lil Uzi Vert, though, right? Like, they didn't dress up like Kodak Black. Mm-mm. They dressed up as, all, and all of, as early 2000s. Like, they weren't even born then. They're high school seniors. They were yeah. born in 20, what, 2002. They were born. They didn't see AI. So who was like, this is a thug? And then, then that was that next level. But I was just like, oh, so your parents was like, oh, you got to dress like a thug? Here. And that's why the stupid NBA got a dress code. Yeah. And all this shit. Because it was like, oh, no, you can't wear these to the press conferences. Why? Because they think you're a thug. It's fear, man. This is all built off of the concept of fear. So here we are fearing black culture and making a mockery of it. So that's what these kids did. Nobody taught them any better. And they have to have black kids in that school. Like, I, I need to see a black kid in their school. No, if it was me, were. oh, brother, they ought to be fighting every day. <laughs> Somebody. And then the, then the black kid would get expelled. It'd be all bad. It's yeah, like it would be. Lose if you go to that school. I mean, it would be a race war. You know, it, that's what it would be. Like, if I, if I went to that school, I wouldn't let that stuff fly. So, obviously, that is a school full of white kids. So, there's that. But, I mean, the administrators, like, somebody needs to, to pull the whole car because – you know, as much as I don't like the kids doing it, and I'm not going to say they don't know better because they do, but if you have a bunch of teachers and principals advocating and saying this is cool, that's the real problem. Really? They got to fix that. We're, the growing problem of not having any black people around or in rooms of, of decision making seems to be very high right now. I know it's always been a problem. It seems to be like bubbling to the surface. It'll, it'll never end. There's it'll that weird-ass movie where the white guy is pretending to be a, a black woman on radio that's coming out. 
That shit looks that shit looks hilarious. But it's horribly problematic. And everyone was like, yo, this shit really got made. And it makes you wonder, like, were there any black people around when this shit was being pitched? No. The it, whole it, process. It almost goes back to why we're even doing this show next week about representation and why it matters. Like when you don't have a black voice in the room telling you, hey man, that's not a good idea. Yeah. You're just gonna run amok and just do what you think is right. So if you don't have any black, and that's why it's important to have black faces occupying these spaces, because whether it's, you know, the school administration and whether it's the writer's room at WWE, whether it's, you know, the dress code of the NBA, when that took, when that happened, whether it's your politicians, you have to have a black voice that's in there and say, hey, man, nope. Like, that's what you need. <laughs> yeah, like, nah, that ain't it. At least you need, one. You, yeah, you need a nope guy in there. You'd be like, nope. And it didn't even have to explain himself. Like, because what'll happen is that when you say nope, the white people will look at that black dude and be like, yeah, you're right. Because they'll look <laughs> at you and be like, shit, I can see how I'm offending you now. All yeah. you gotta say is nope. There's always the, the really bold white guy that goes, I don't understand. This is not a big deal. There's always him. He needs an open handed smack in the mouth. But everybody else, on the other hand, it, they all they need is a nudge, but they gotta be around black people. And a lot of white folks are, there are a lot of white folks who are just frankly scared of black people. Yeah. This the way it is. Or they're so, just not conscious of black people on their day-to-day lives. They're just yeah. they're not racist, but they're not conscious of it. So they'll be like, oh yeah, fuck it. Yeah, we'll green like this. Without ever thinking like, yo, maybe how do they feel? No, unless a black person in front of your face, they don't they don't even care or realize to like what someone may feel in that situation. So that I shit mean, is stupid. We have a country of people we have a, a, a demographic right now of white men telling women what to do with their bodies. <laughs> I, I, I can't even make tops or tails with that one, man. Like, at the station, I have to, you know, I'm grabbing all these national articles about it, and I need to stop doing it. But, like, my, my I guess, my way to kill time occasionally is to go through our Facebook comments. Oh, boy. You'd be surprised how many people think this shit is a great idea. I wouldn't be surprised, but... I mean, yeah, okay, I'm surprised. Again, you are not surprised by these things. And I don't know why I continue to be surprised by these things. Stupidity is just rampant. I just got to accept that. Uh, it's fucking nuts, though. Uh, the last thing to talk about before we get on to this combat sports and MMA is a tweet that came out today, ended up on both our timelines. I believe you saw it. It's this adopted kid. These women, they sound like white women. Tell him to go help this little girl get on the swing. Little black boy goes over, gets on all fours, lets the little white girl step on him, get onto the swing. And they're like, oh my God, he's so great. More people need to be like, Peanut. Peanut is the little boy's name. <laughs> all right, whatever. I'm, I'm not even tripping off the name. Fuck the name. I knew a Peanut in the hood. Rest in peace. Everybody did. Everybody knew Rest in peace, Peanut. Nonetheless... Little boy name is Peanut. You can't have little white girl stepping on a little black boy. Look, here's another situation <laughs> where it would have been nice to have a black person in, in, around the area that said, hey, put down your phone. First of all. <laughs> first, down, first, let's first, start there. We start here. <laughs> put down your phone. You don't need to record this shit. Two, hey, Peanut, come here. Let me talk to you for a minute. You don't need to get on your hands and knees for no white women. Relax. Yeah. Like, because cause Peanut don't know any better, right? He don't. He, and he got cheered and they clapped and he thinks he just did the best shit in the world. Yeah, it, the optics are bad on this. Like, e- even though Peanut may have meant well, 
because he saw a girl struggling, mm -hmm. uh, an individual struggling to get on a swing. So he meant well. Yes. But obviously he doesn't understand the optics behind this. But you know who does? The people that were filming that shit. Somebody saw that and uh, somebody had to see that and be like, yo, put down the camera. That's not a good no, idea. No, they all saw it and championed it. Well, that's why I'm saying why you need a black face to be like, hey, <laughs> nope. That's what you need. You need one black face in the room. Like, nope. And you know, like the Dikembe Mutombo finger wag? Yeah. You that. That's all you need. We just need nope. to create an app that when this shit happens and people put it in their phone, it'll just randomly spring up and it's just Mutombo with the finger wag. They'll be like, oh, no, can't post this. That's, and that's what you need. And this is the benefit of why you need black faces because Peanut needs to be rescued. Poor Peanut. Yeah, like... And it just that that honestly, as as funny as it was, and it's, it's you know it's Twitter and it's going viral and roasting the woman who posted it. That shit on a level is sad because when I read, oh, our adopted, it was like my adopted nephew or something. I was like, no one's gonna tell this kid his history and why it's bad. No, there. I mean, no, look. no, no one has that idea in their head why it's bad or can explain to him. Just the intent was great. But my man, this is why we don't do that. Yeah, and he's a kid. Like you know, it's it's hard because when do you introduce color to children? Because like the truth is, and with my nephew who's thirteen, you want to introduce color because before somebody else introduces it to them, yeah. and then they learn the hard way. I learned the hard way when I was a kid. What happened? I got called the N word. I was like, hey, who? Like <laughs> me? I didn't understand. So it's it's a tough decision to make when you introduce a child to color and race. And why that matters, because you don't want to strip them of their innocence. Peanuts, he's probably an innocent kid. He's just a happy kid. Probably, you know, he looks at his skin and he's like, yeah, I'm darker than you, but it's not a big deal. It's the universe and the environment that, that fosters this negativity. So you got to pick a, <coughs> figure out when is a good time to be like, hey, Peanut. <laughs> I feel like that was the ideal time to just pull him to the side. You don't got to go deep diving into it. They just say, yo, Peanut, I understand you try to help her. But there's better ways to do it. You don't get on your hands and knees unless someone step on your back. Yeah, or, you know. And easy. Leave it at that. We revisit this in a couple of years, Peanut. You know who I'd like to have? And we can move on after this. Who I'd like to have do this? My, one of the best rappers in the world, Sugar Free. Sugar Free probably, <laughs> he'd probably come in and be like, hey, man, don't let no bitch. You ain't got to get on hands and knees for a white bitch. Make, sure you, make that bitch get on her hands and knees for you. Then I'd be good. And I know that's completely problematic. It was a joke, people. But sugar free makes everything better, though. Like I just got that bitch. Listen, man. If we can have sugar free on a live show, boy, Thursday Thursday night show would be so complete if I could get an MC by Sugar Free. Yeah, I don't know why we just thought of this. He makes so much stuff better. Oh, I've been a Sugar Free fan for so long. And I, when I first moved to Vegas, my mom's boyfriend, he was an old school like game banging crip that had reformed his life. But he introduced me to Sugar Free, boy, seven, seventh grade me didn't know what the hell I was listening to. I was so happy. It's all oh, problematic, but man, the good old days of pimping. Yeah, that shit is hilarious. Let's get on to combat sports, man. Um, where do we start? Where do we start? Let's start on something that happened today. Super Sage Northcut. The Golden Boy. I was, a, you know, I was of the opinion that Sage had what it takes to work his way through the UFC and be a contender one day. That didn't really pan out in the UFC. They let him walk. We thought Dana was a little crazy for letting several of the people walk that he did. But now the ex-UFC guys going over to one are one and two in record with two crazy KOs. And it, it 
people are like, I, the competition, first of all, is very even around the world. But no matter where you go and fight, the differences take a while to, you know, really get used to. So not having an octagon to bounce off of. Sage got trapped today in front of a guy who was looking to take his head off. But there's no, no circular octagon to dance around. He got caught in a corner of a ring and got rocked. So it, it's interesting to see these guys who came in with a lot of fanfare. And so far, two of them took pretty big losses. I mean, so there's two things at hand here. One, can we fucking admit that Sage Northcutt was never that good? That, that's where we need to start. He was getting paid 30 and 30 to be a, because... I will maintain 155 pounds Sage Northcutt isn't that bad. 170 I, pounds is not the right hold up. I'm just saying, like, one way or another, he was being overpaid and overvalued because of his karate skills, but he never developed much of anything else, right? Like, some guy, I think Felipe Norva was a guy at one point that people thought was going to be the next Anderson Silva. Some of these guys just don't pan out. So when Sage went to one, one isn't in the business of building a star by padding his record. They're not going to Deontay <laughs> Wilder him and just give him a bunch of, you know, cupcakes. They put him in there with, actually... His toughest fight. That was his toughest opponent. He's oh, athlete. easily. Easily. And he got his he got a snap box rock. It's, it happens. One FC has fantastic talent. Eddie Alvarez, on the other hand, a guy who's weather-worn, battle-torn, he ran into a buzzsaw. One FC has great talent. Deadspin posted an article that says Sage Northcutt loses his minor league MMA. Dick. Well, like, what the fuck? Like, come on, man. This is <laughs> the miseducation of like media. The one is not a minor league. That's like saying Bellator is a minor Someone league. Someone got paid for that article, Dre. Someone got paid. Yeah. For that. yeah and, and dead, and, but again, you know, Deadspin is a place where obviously they have a lot of snark in their stuff, but dog, this, it's not a minor leagues. Like these, these got some legit talent over there. So say, my thing is, Sage was never really that good. He was, he was decent. He was never, he never should have got the fanfare that, that he was getting, except from when he was a kid. And he shouldn't be getting paid 30 and 30 from the jump. Was it 30 and 30? Or was it more than that? He was getting more than 30 and 30. His last fight was uh, 75. Okay. So whatever he was getting, he didn't earn it. Because it was never really that good. So the, the UFC isn't trying to build, you know, and they do a piss poor job at it. But they're trying to build stars off of name recognition. Off of, you know, the Greg Hardy's getting all this money. Yeah. One's not interested in none of that. One is just like, you here? All right, you fight him. Mm-hmm. He gets his head taken off? We'll fight again. Like that's, that's it. it. Yeah, like you know, you lose. Okay, we'll fight again. Like you don't want. You're gonna get these fights on this contract. We yeah. paying you to fight. They don't care if you go two or four. You gonna get back in this ring. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy to see. Like, man, I I know somewhere it was for BSO. It has to be five years ago. I don't know why this headline sticks out to me, but I wrote the article, and the headline was. I'm pretty sure it was close to this. It's Sage Northcutt, the UFC's Johnny Manziel. Like what? What is that? And at the time, Sage was like the hot thing. Johnny Manziel obviously was the hot thing, both from like Texas, Bible Belt, and they were like the great white hopes. And people were overhyping them before they approved something. So that was my article, and I was like, both have great potential, and we'll see if these if they'll pan out. I'm going to say neither of them panned out. I mean, no, neither of them but did pan out. It's incredible that if you're from that area, people latch on to you and ride the wave. Just super yeah. thirst for, for the great white hope. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, people wanted like Manziel was a mess, like as an individual. Like Sage wasn't a mess; he just wasn't that good of a fighter. That's no, all. But he came from oil money, and people were like, "Oh my god, look at this white kid!" And Manziel was to the point of everything they criticized a black quarterback for prior to that. They flipped the entire narrative and loved it with Manziel. Hey, man, it's cute when white people do it. Like, Yo, if it really is. Like, like, like when when white really people is. like. When Miley Cyrus was twerking, that shit was cute. Yep. When Megan the Stallion twerks, that shit is dangerous yep. to white people. She's really not ass though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's, listen, she might hurt somebody. I understand that. She, Miley ain't hurting nobody. Nah, my, but it's cute. Miley's like, oh, look at Miley's twerking. And then here comes Megan the Stallion with a big ass. And they'd be like, yo, that's yeah. dangerous. Damn, but that's just the way that. it is. It's the way Manziel, his, his, what he did was problematic because he was acting, you know, he was acting out. But again, misguided and all this other bullshit. Black people, we don't get that kind of leeway. When we do something, we're a thug, we're a criminal, we were brought up wrong, all kinds of stuff. But it's cute when they do it. It's wild. And I look, and I'm sure, well, no, I think people have listened to the show long enough to to know who we are. But if I said this on Twitter, it'd be somebody was like, nah, man, you grace baiting. No, no, that shit's just true though. Like, no, no black guy sage North Cut at 23. Like even You'd be the greatest black kung fu guy in the in the nation. Dana White's not giving you a contract at twenty. Nah, it's just not happening. No, style bender is damn near thirty. Yeah, it's just, but you know, he may get a contract, but he's not getting paid the way no, Sage Northcutt was. Not getting. getting that push. Like you look at a guy like Kevin Lee who's fighting this weekend. He was vocal about this. Like, why is this guy getting like three times as much as me? What did he do? Yep, he was he's on karate white. magazines. That's yeah. That was it. The great white hope. So Sage gets knocked out. Um, UFC 237 came with a couple of losses. Dre, your predictions last week? Dog. Woo! I think I, it went I, over. I, was, I have never in my life failed at everything when it came to a prediction. I picked her to beat Julian Williams. Lost. I picked Rose to win. Lost. I picked Aldo. Lost. I picked Silva. Lost. The only one I picked MVP. He lost. The only person that I got right was AJ McKee against Pat Curran, which we kind of saw coming. Yeah. And um, it was another fight. Put it like, man, I was just batting the Mendoza line, man. Oh, yeah. I was, you got I was, uh, We the People, right? Jack Swag. Like, well, everybody got that. I mean, come on, man. He, he fought for the schlub on the corner. <laughs> he but, fought the pizza man. Oh, man. I was dog. My predictions is just off, man. And, oh, I, man. and I felt good. We'll talk about all the fights, but I felt really good about Rose. I was like, it's, it's playing out exactly the way I thought. Yep. Jessica fights in one speed. She comes forward. Rose has got footwork, good footwork, pieces her up, fires the jab. It's great striking. Jessica throws wide. Like, I was like, yo, I nailed this. Nope. And, yeah, let's get it. Well, let's go down for a couple of fights before that. Anderson Silva loses. It looks his leg just looked tore up. Um, should he hang it up? He said he's not. He said he's yes. gonna come back and fight. This yes, should be the end, don't. right? Like <laughs> you can't stand to lose more mobility at forty-four oh. years old. Yes, Roy Jones, hang this shit up. Like Anderson Silva is just—he's tarnishing his legacy. And I know people will say you can't tell somebody when when to retire, but I can. That's my job. I write shit. And I write shit because of how I feel. And how I feel is Roy Jones should have fucking retired after the, the uh, Glenn Johnson fight. I'll give him one. The, the Tarver knockout, boom, you didn't have to retire. But when he got knocked out by Glenn Johnson, time to make some decisions here. And he went too long. 
and you lost to Bernard Hopkins and a bunch of other people, and his legacy's tarnished, right? Once the money starts drying up and you're not getting paid with what you used to, maybe you should hang it up. In a physical contest where you're hitting people in the head with the, the goal to knock the other person unconscious, you should probably get out when the getting's good. In the case of Anderson Silva, another man who's tarnished his legacy, not because he just lost to Chris Weidman, because, what, he got suspended for a year, he broke his leg, he's 40. Look, Jared Cannonier, like once upon a time, if you would have said Anderson Silva was fighting Jared Cannonier, and if it was at light heavyweight, not even at middleweight, at light heavyweight, you would have been like, fuck out of here. Anderson's <laughs> going to murder this guy. And he loses to a leg kick. Come on, man. It's time to go. Yeah, it, like uh, ugly leg kick, though. That shit landed. It, he couldn't put any pressure on it. It's it's time, man. You've done enough. Like I, we we love Anderson Silva, we love what he's brought to the table, but it's dog. It's time. Let's go. Bye. Yeah, it's, it's time to move on. But we say that, and we're gearing up for uh, BJ Penn fight here in a couple of weeks, right? So, well, I mean, BJ just fought. He fought Clay Guida, and he's another guy. Your um, we... eye Faber is coming back. Oh yeah. Well, see, like Faber, Faber's a little different. It's, it's time for him to hang it up, but it's like. For a guy like Anderson Silva, it's like you he, you know, he felt good about the Israel Adesanya fight, right? Mm. And I I get it. You know, you got the taste of fighting back, but the Cannoneer fight, I wasn't mad at the matchup. I got why they did it. You really don't know what Anderson has left. Cannoneer is on a nice little roll. He needs the rub. Um, he looks good at middleweight. I picked Anderson Silva and I, I said it last week, I said I wouldn't be surprised if Cannoneer knocked him out, but I figured that Silva's more technical. But when you lose by a leg kick, that tells you your wheels aren't there anymore. It's time to go. Like Faber, I, I have to see what Faber looks like in his fight. But Anderson, you can't stand up, dog. So what are you doing fighting? Yeah, it, it was ugly. And he was moving in slow-mo. It was completely different than his style bender fight, right? It was completely different. Like father time. Like just one day you can put him off, next day he's on your back. So that shows crazy. Uh, Jose Aldo takes the L. In Brazil. In a non-title fight. Never happened before. Yeah, three rounds. Took the L. Um, that one, I would, you know, you got to give that to his opponent, though. Yeah, Volkanovski's, I mean, a lot of us. Volkanovski's so good. Yeah, we've looked at him uh, as the real deal. Um, you know, beating up Chad Mendes, I wasn't too sure. And I said that last week. I think Aldo, you know, non-title Aldo's and almost an unbeatable Aldo. But Volkanovski's the truth. He closed the distance. Aldo fought a really weird fight. I don't know what the hell his corner was talking about, saying he was winning. Or like, dog, you need to step up. Like, wasn't really throwing the leg kicks. Was allowing Volkanovski to smother him. Volkanovski's like a tank. So I'm just baffled that Volkanovski beats Jose Aldo and they give the title fight to Frankie Edgar. I, and this is like the Denzel Washington Training David Award. Like, Frankie Edgar should have had a title fight before. But now? Nah, that should have been Volkanovski's opportunity. No, that, that's very true. But I've been petitioning for Frankie to get this fight for a while, right? I mean, we all have. Like, we wanted Frankie to get a title fight. But Volkanovski when, has time, right? He has nothing but time. Frankie no. ain't got time. He doesn't because what, what happens is you're going to put Volkanovski in a, in a fight that he doesn't need to have before a title fight and he's going to fuck around and lose. That's my issue with this. Is like Volkanovski beat Jose Aldo. He doesn't have to fight again before then. Well, Kobe Covington didn't fight. He hey, doesn't need to fight. They don't pay you enough to sit on the bench. You want to fight. So, but, so my, my, the bigger thing here is that Frankie Edgar lost to Jose Aldo. 
yeah. clearly at UFC 200. He got knocked out by Brian Ortega two fights ago. He wins one fight and you're in the title picture? Meanwhile, Volkanovski has been running through the division. <laughs> That's why he gets a title opportunity. Frankie didn't, hasn't done enough to earn it. That's why I'm saying it's like the training day award. It's like Denzel has acted much better in other movies, mm-hmm. but it's just like you go, the, the Academy goes, well, what opportunity can we slip him in here and give him this award? In a pretty good performance that may have been better than other people. So that's Frankie Edgar coming off his last win. They're like, all right, cool, we'll give it to you now. But there's a more qualified guy in Volkanovski who should get that title fight. That's just the way it should be. No, I agree. But again, I'm not mad at it. And it's happening quick. A little, could be a little too quick. Because Max was in a war. So to come back this fast, that, it's a little dicey. But I listen, it's a fight I want to see. Volkanovski, you'll be there. It's, it's good. I like that the division's moving again, too. We're, we're getting through the division, even with Max going up and trying for a second title. Yeah, so that's, that's good. I'm all for moving through the divisions. Um, and in the championship fight, you touched on it. Rose, oh, she, she had the fight. She was doing what she needed to do to win this fight. Stylistically, perfect game plan. And why she decided to hang on, I'll never know. Like you, oh, don't, know. you don't have to submit Andrade in that position. Get up, keep piecing her ass up. Look, <sighs> no, nobody thinks somebody's that strong. Right. That's her only like that's one of the key things. You put shit on the board about Jessica Andrade's strength is number one. Yeah, or but two. slamming slamming you to sleep is not on that that board, right? Like it doesn't happen. Like slam knockout finishes, Carlos Newton get knocked out by a slam by Matt Hughes, Tito Ortiz had a slam knockout. There's been like there's been very few. The fact that I can name them tells you how I think Rampage has one in Pride. Oh, it doesn't happen. So Rose is looking at like if I get slammed and she takes top position, that's where I don't want to be. Like, hindsight is twenty twenty. Because yeah. now you can look back and say, oh, shit, she shouldn't have hung on. But the reality is, and even Cormier said it early in the fight, she's hanging on to that Kimura so Jessica can't slam her and be in top position. That's what she was doing. She didn't think that Jessica was just going to launch her ass into, at an odd angle and just dump her on her head and nearly kill her. Nobody really saw that coming until it happened. And then we were all like, oh, shit. But that's, <laughs> that's the issue with... MMA in general, you know, boxing, you know, it's not in boxing. They say one punch can end the fight. It usually takes a lot of punches unless you're like Mike Tyson. And even then, you know what I'm saying? There's a little bit more protection. But in MMA, like Jessica Andrade, technically, she's not really that good. No. Rose was using lateral movement, the side to side, firing the jab, doing everything right. And Rose just kicked all, I mean, Jessica kicked all that shit to the curb with a, a slam of all things. And Andrade is not somebody that you look at, look at and go, She's going to be champion for a long time. I kind of look at it as like, who's next? Like, that title might be moving around a little bit. But we know who's next. We know whose title it was going to be regardless. It's like Thanos. It's inevitable. It's Tatiana Suarez. Look, somebody got was feeling away because I said, because it was like, it's too early. Who is she fought? And I was like, that's what people said about John Jones. Yeah. You're comparing her to John Jones. Like, I'm not comparing her to John Jones. I'm saying when you see it, you know it, and you put it in position. And Tatiana Suarez is a girl, like, when she beat Cookie Monster, I was like, and the way she beat her, it wasn't just how she beat her. Like, when I saw John Jones beat Machusenko, 
live when I went to San Diego. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, this division's fucked. Like as soon as <laughs> I saw it, I was like, yo, it's over. Like this guy is too. Like Suarez is the same type of beast. She may not be as dynamic and as good as John Jones, but you look at the division, you look at her size, you look at her aggression, you look at her ability. I dog, she's gonna she'll beat up most of these women. Just beat them up. Andrade is no exception to that. As strong as she is, I think Tatiana Suarez is just that much better. No, I, I definitely agree. When she gets her hands on you and wraps you up, it's over. Over with. And now the stand-up's coming along. It, The length, the size compared to the other women in the division, it, it's just a problem. So I, she fights, what, in Chicago? Yeah, she, uh, uh, who she beat up? Amanda Nunez girl, right? Yeah, that, in the, the last fight? fight? No, her next no. fight. Is she Rachel? Or Ansaroff or whatever? Yeah, is he fighting Nina Ansaroff? Uh, I'll tell you right now. But, I mean, listen, she going to win. I'll tell you that much. So, it's, she's only had seven fights. And, yeah, she's fighting Nina next. Yeah, in like two weeks. Yep. No, th- three weeks. June, uh, June 8th, 8th, Chicago. Yeah, yeah is she going to drag her? Oh, she's easy. Gonna... And Nina's had a couple of good wins. Yeah, but no. This no. Is, this... Look. Hey, first round. It's over. Like, she is a whole different beast. I said on Twitter last week, if she wanted the 125-pound title and fought with Bullet next week, it would be a close-ass fight. I'm picking Tatiana to win. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a a striker with really good – I mean, it, it takes almost somebody like Rose to find out how good she is, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's like Rose – like, somebody like – Carlos Suarez, it can't be Suarez because, you know, it's, it's, it's my discipline is the same as your discipline, and I'm just better, right? Yep. But when you find somebody that's a really good striker, then you're going to figure it out. Like, you'd like to see maybe Joanna and Jacek versus Tatiana Suarez and see how that works out. But well, even then, I saw Joanna get put on her back yeah. several times. Like, and the diff- Tatiana is girl Khabib in my mind. Where exactly. I look and I say, I don't know who's going to beat you. It takes one punch knockout power. That's it. If you can't flatten her in one flash, boom, take her chin off, you ain't beating her. John Jones included, right? That's my thing about John. If you can take his hat off in one punch, shit, you got a chance. If you That's can't do that, it's a fight. Yep. If you can't do that, you ain't beating him in five. Mm-mm. And Khabib's the same way. You better take his face off because you're not beating him in five rounds. And no. she's the third on that list. I, I just don't see it. And she's in a perfect division where people don't have one punch knockout power. Yep, that's that was my point. Like there, are, there aren't like Andrade is strong, and she's probably the strongest woman in the division. But technically, she's not sound. So it's like, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's going to be crazy. We'll see how all that plays out. Uh, Bellator, you touch MVP. Got hit with the uppercut from hell. Woo! And Look. whoever created the. The Captain America summoning Thor's hammer style uh, fucking gift over that incredible, but man, that it was bad luck, right? Let's I'll say it was That's... a bad slip. He you know he got his front foot taken out. He tried to brace himself, but goddamn, yeah, a think, knockout. It's one of those things like ten times, almost ten times out of ten, that's not happening again. The way that it happened, it wasn't like it was a technique thing. It was Lima had the perfect timing on the kick, and, you know, MVP was a sitting duck at that point. Um, 
and it's weird because it's like it's I, I'll say it. It's more bad luck for Bellator. It's like, all right, MVP didn't have a good fight against Daly. Now he goes and gets knocked out. And you're kind of just running back to where you were before with Lima and goddamn Roy McDonald again. Pretty much. So, <laughs> so yeah. And Roy's That's, not coming off his best outing ever. No. So. Oh, and I mean, the other fight we'll talk about in a second that I got wrong was Michael Chandler. What the fuck? Yeah. So let's talk about, listen, Michael Chandler loses to the smaller pit bull. Doesn't lose. Gets stopped quick. Uh, people thought it was controversial stoppage. Could have went all longer. I agree. I say you give him a chance to defend himself a little more. But to even get clipped to be in that position, I was shocked he was even down. For a guy who's been through wars. He got caught, man. He got he got caught. Like we all knew Pitbull is the Frere is, is a great fighter, especially in that division. But him moving up where he was giving up a few inches in height and I and he was giving like three inches in reach, you think that Chandler I thought Chandler was just gonna kinda mow him down. Like he did his older brother. Yep. But no, that's not what happened. Yeah, and, and I'll keep saying this. Like uh Big Saban from Deadspin was like, no, uh it was a, the, the the stoppage was just I was like, I, look, I don't give a fuck what you think. I'm just telling you my opinion that it's a title fight and I wanted to see it go longer. And I felt like it could have went longer. Like, I'm not saying the stoppage is, is a robbery, I'm not saying it's wrong. Like I'm saying, I feel like that fight should have went a little bit longer. It was you I who think- said Askren got longer rope. In yeah, Robbie fight, right? Yeah, Ashton damn near got murdered. People were like, "Well, that's not fair because they should have stopped that fight." Well, they didn't, and you saw what happened. Ashton won. Yeah. So my whole point is, like, stoppage, like it's tough. I'm not saying the referee had a bad stoppage. I'm saying I would like to see the fight go longer. There, there are terrible stoppages, and we've witnessed a lot of them. And I'll be critical of referees that either let a fight go on too long, way too long, or cut it way too short. This was splitting hairs. I just would have liked to see the fight go longer. I don't know why people are like jumping down my neck about this. You want to see somebody get killed? No, no I don't. I want to see a fucking fight. That's what I pay for. If I want to see somebody <laughs> get killed, I'm going to see Deontay Wilder and Dominic Brazil later, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Because Dominic uh, Brazil is, is looking like the guy that Wilder wants to put in a body bag. But that's not, what, that's not what I'm saying. I just want to see a good fight. It's a title fight between two guys who have been through hell and back, two guys who have been with Bellator forever, yeah, I want to see something longer than 30 seconds. Sorry if that pisses you off. Yeah, it was just, like you said, a run of bad luck for Bellator, man. Yeah. They, they try to put stuff in position, but this fight game, this fight game is fickle. So and, and the, it, it, in a blink, you think you got it all mapped out, and it's a wrap. It changes on And the weird thing about all this is um, the bad luck on Bellator, because people are like, oh, it's Pitbull, he deserves it. Well, it puts him in an interesting spot because now he's a dual champion, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly the guy next the next guy up for uh the featherweight title is AJ McKee. Yeah. Pitbull can completely skirt that fight now because he is now the, the lightweight champion. Like, that's my issue, is that he's like he says he'll go back down, and maybe he will. Maybe he'll go back down and maybe he'll fight AJ McKee. But the rematch but I, is more immediate, I would assume. Yeah, and it's just like I AJ McKee is like your last star left, your last new guy left that can make waves is A.J. McKee because everybody else has taken L. MVP, Aaron Pico, Ed Ruth. He's still got a Gracie, but man. Oh, Ed Ruth lost, right? He lost yeah. in the tournament? He lost to Gracie in the opening round. So it's like you want some new blood and you don't want to rely on old UFC talent, yada, yada, yada. A.J. McKee is your guy, but he's, he's clearly ready to be in position for a title, even though the Pat Curran fight wasn't all that fun. Um it, it, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they, they work this all out. 
Yeah, man, dude, it's crazy. This weekend, though, your predictions. Woo! But, uh, yeah, we'll get... We're, actually, let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to get into boxing, a little bit of pro wrestling before we get out of here. We'll let you recover from arguably your worst weekend of predictions. So you guys stay tuned. Quick little break. We'll be right back. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting Casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner promo code t-h-e-c-o-r-n-e-r terms and conditions apply all right just that quick we are back kel dansby old man andreas hale uh before we keep going make sure you guys support us on patreon the corner podcast uh this week i'll be putting up a ton of content with our live shows behind the scenes videos uh, got a videographer coming out to record this whole thing. So tons of behind-the-scenes content that you guys are going to get flooded on on Patreon. The merch gets here on Wednesday, so make sure you guys, again, message me on Patreon, those who are subscribing, so I can get you these merch out to your crib. Um, we got three different shirt designs, so you guys get to pick which one you want. Send me your size, and I'll ship it out to you guys for just being supporters, man. It, without you guys, I couldn't do it, so thank you guys. Um Drake, let's talk boxing. You mentioned it. Deontay Wilder. People are taken aback. People, talking about black people being scary. No black man is scarier than Deontay Wilder right now. I, I was watching randomly on ESPN. He was on the open. The teases coming into the top of ESPN Sports Center Because he said, if Brazil dies, he dies. He was on Around the Horn as a topic. This is good for him, right? Yeah. I mean, look, nobody wants to see anybody die in the ring. And I, I wrote an article right before the Fury fight questioning why Deontay Wilder wasn't a bigger star. And then, to this day, happened. And then, <laughs> to this day, the Fury fight happened, the way it happened. And now he's threatening to kill Dominic Brazil in the, in the ring. He said, if he dies, he dies. Look, this is, it's kind of talk, like before this happened, I had a call with Leonard Elby just kind of shooting the shit with him. And he and he That's said the most are, humble brag. Hold on, you try to just skate through that. You're like, no, before, you know, before we recorded this podcast on a random Friday, I was just talking to Leonard Ellaby. No, not about work, just shooting the shit. Yeah, that's I mean, hilarious. Like, it's, it, you could continue, but that's the illest humble brag. You're like, no, I'm just shooting the shit. One of the most powerful men in boxing. But no, I mean, no we, we talked about Wilder, and uh, we did an interview with him. And in the interview, he talked about Wilder, you know, being the next big star. And the thing is that we talked about is like. He's, he's making headlines that are kind of outside of the ring, and he's following a blueprint to become marketable, and he's betting on himself. And he's finally doing that. Like, before, he'd just go, he'd fight, and that'd be it. Now it's just like you can't rely on other people to make your career. So, yeah, you're going to fight Dominic Brazil, who he doesn't like, 
because they had an altercation in 2017. They were both were fighting on the Alabama card. Wilder was in the main event. I believe Brazil was the co-main event. They ran into each other at a hotel lobby. I was going to say, that's we're, the hotel room, right? Or the yeah. hotel lobby. Yeah. yeah, shit got exchanged. People got pushed around. And they've held this bad blood for damn near two years. So now the fight is happening. And Wilder, you know, he's going to talk his shit. And he knows, like, at this point, you know you have to generate interest in this fight. Because this is clearly not the fight everybody wants to see at heavyweight. This is not that fight. But now, when there's a threat of homicide in the ring, now we're like, yo, I need to watch this fight. He's doing the right things, people. You know, maybe it's scary, whatever. But if he's on ESPN, he's on Sports Center, he's on First Take, he's on a like if he's doing these shows, he's doing something right. Because the thing that Wilder is not doing is making a fool of himself. He's not throwing money around. Like, yeah, killing somebody in a boxing ring sounds crazy. But Mike Tyson talked about eating people's children, y'all. So we gotta relax. It's not that big of a deal. So he's doing the right things, man. Like, he knock if he knocks out Brazil, which I fully expect him to do for two reasons one because he hates him and two because anthony joshua knocked him out in seven so i feel like wilder's out here trying to make a statement but you do that he's he's on the cusp of being a huge star it's inevitable at this point no yeah i love it and the only bad thing is and we talk about it so much on the show is can someone transcend without being the scary or hated black guy no. Or do you have to play that character? And it's, no. it sucks because he's playing that character. But he plays it well to, to a T. But it, it's just like, damn, another one. Like, a, another one has to be this guy, this type of character. It, it's tough, man, because I think uh, Wilder's not really doing anything out of character. He's just this is somebody he doesn't like and he wants to knock him out. And Wilder always talks about knocking people out. Like, he threatened Bermain Stavern with physical violence. And obviously... You threaten him with physical violence. Why? Because you're in a damn boxing ring, and that's where this shit's going to happen. In a boxing ring, where his physical violence happens. So, the, I mean, the thing is, is what I said from the beginning, like several years ago, is Deontay Wilder is six foot seven, a man who knocks out everybody. He's knocked out every opponent that he's fought, ex with the exception of Tyson Fury. And, I mean, he's got dynamite in his hands, and he, if he walks to a room, you can't miss him. So it's not, I mean, the fact that he, I mean, everything else that comes along with it is just kind of the cherry on top, but he's got all the goods to be great. And, and, and except, you know, I, he's not very technically sound, but who cares when you have the great equalizer, which is the knockout punch, we'll live with it. So, but, but to, to answer your question though, I mean, it sucks because Daniel Jacobs, if he would have beat Canelo, he wouldn't have been a big star because he's too nice. Right. You gotta have a little bit of controversy when you yeah. don't have a country behind you. And Deontay Wilder does not really have a country behind him. So that's what kind of sucks. No, I man. Even with that said, I'm happy the guy's making money. I'm happy he's on Sports Center. If this is what it took, the to hell with it, you'd be a scary black man. Cause eventually him and Anthony Joshua, they're gonna book. They go they're they're gonna stand toe to toe, they're gonna get down. And Deontay Wilder at this point it is just increasing his star along the way. And He's doing the right things. Yeah, for a certain for a, a quick period of time, for everyone who listens to this, I was skeptical if the guy could move from a 70-30 split. I was like, yo, just take it. Earn the rematch, get your money there. But he's proven me wrong. 
He's captivating an American audience. And that's what you need to combat Wilder's insane British following. To the point where, or excuse me, Joshua's British following. To the point where Joshua's now fighting in the U.S. So that's like a, a toe across the line. And a win, it has to be a win for Wilder. Because for a long time, it looked like Joshua didn't have to leave the UK. No, and he, and he really didn't. At a, at, you know, but it's it, it became a situation where it's like, if you want the biggest fights, you're going to have to fight in the States. Yep. And now this is what he has to do. Unfortunately, he's not going to beat the brakes off of Jarrell Miller. He's fighting Andrew Ruiz in two weeks. But, you know, this is, it's good because now you have a foil. The, and it'll be fun in the sense that you have it, – it's, it's – uh, Hmm. I'm trying to think of what I can compare it to. Because you have the loudmouth, boisterous knockout power of Deontay Wilder versus the gentleman in Anthony Joshua. There's and there's two black guys that could be the biggest fight in since Mayweather McGregor. It'll be the biggest fight in boxing. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is incredible that that's the biggest fight in boxing. But yeah. yes. It's like I I won't say like there's there's not going to be anything bigger than Mayweather Pacquiao. I just can't see it in the near future. But that heavyweight class will be huge. Huge. No, yeah. I, man, I, I agree. I can't wait for it. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But we know how boxing works, so I won't hold my breath. Um, am I skipping anything in boxing before we go to pro wrestling? I mean, Jared Hurd losing? Goddamn. What the oh, hell? shit. I forgot about that. Fight of the year candidate, but shit. Listen, you, oh boy, you were wrong last week, Dre. I know you I was, was wrong. He said he'd move up and beat both Charlos. I still think he'll beat a Charlo. And, and still, J-Rock I, said, hold, yo, hold my gloves, Dre. Hold it. J-Rock came through and he frustrated her from the get-go. Like there, there wasn't a change of plan. There was no plan B no. for her. All that power, all the stuff you said was very true. When he couldn't bully J-Rock... He had nothing else. I mean, look, Julian Williams was a guy that early in this podcast, I thought he beat Charlo. Mm -hmm. Like when we first started doing this, because he was the guy. And then Charlo just decimated him with one punch. And we all wrote off Julian Williams after that. We all were just like, ah, well, you know, maybe he was overrated. He was just a talker. He he talked us into it. But then, you know, he, he he won a few fights. And now, you know, he's fighting Jared Hurd, who is a gigantic middleweight, um, well, junior middleweight, that should be a middleweight. And he put together the performance that I wanted him to have against Charlo. But it, the fun thing is, it's like you look at this division now, 54, it's really interesting. Like, between 54 and 60, sorry, I'm here to see this now. Because I still think Hurd is better than both Charlos. I still think this. Well, now he has nothing but time to move up to 160 and face the older Charlo. But the younger Charlo, it, he he has a date. He has a date with J-Rock. Well, the younger Charlo has a date with Tony Harrison. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to get that rematch. He really didn't lose the first one, though. So I'm chalking that up as a win. He's coming with something to prove. Oh, yeah. Like, so all of this is fun now, but it's just Julian Williams fought the perfect fight, and it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of this division plays out. Um, and maybe Julian Williams, he, he took that loss like a man, and maybe this is this is who he is. Maybe he's a champion. Yeah. Maybe he's the guy who we always thought he was. Just took him a little longer to get there. Or maybe he just got caught with one punch. Yeah. Like I mean, that it happens. You get caught with the wrong punch. Your your brain is a little frazzled, and you look horrible for the rest of the fight. You know, 
you get clipped in the temple and you're woozy for three rounds and then you end up getting stopped. Like, you, you never know. That could have been an off night. But, man, this is one hell of a performance. So, yeah, I thought that was funny, too. I was like, man, Dre's prediction. Like, you were the equivalent of the Drake curse last week. Yeah, I was bad. I was bad. <laughs> Just wrecking people. Um, all right, pro wrestling-wise, uh, we got to talk AEW, New Japan real quick before we get into a Money in the Bank preview, which all oh, this actually won't take too long. But before we touch on those, one thing I wanted to ask you, which we haven't really talked about on the show, um, and it's running all the time at the Tuscany stage where we are doing our StarCast performance, is Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And I want to touch on this real quick. What was your favorite episode from this season? Because I, I love the series. I thought they did really well. Um, I haven't watched the Moolah episode yet. Okay, um, I just watched that yesterday. But, um, okay, we'll go with the five. I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I'll tell you off rip. It ain't going to be your favorite. So what's your favorite show so far of this season? Ooh, man, that's tough. Um, they were all really good. I, I, I really love the Savage Elizabeth one. You love Savage. But I, yes, Savage I is a dude. <laughs> um, You're the only the, little kid who loved Savage in the Mega Powers angle. Oh, I love Randy Savage. Oh. Just hated Hogan before it was cool. But the thing was, that I liked Hogan as a kid. It's just, you know, I just it was a big Savage mark. I just thought Savage was an enigma. But um, when it comes to Dark Side of the Ring, and my wife actually watched this shit. My wife is like, wrestling's stupid, but these stories are great. That's how she feels. <laughs> um, but I think her favorite was the Bruiser Brody one. Okay, so that's my favorite. Yeah, and I thought the, I thought the Bruiser Brody one was really good. The Von Erichs one was really good. If I hadn't seen the, w, the Von Erichs uh, WWE documentary, was, which is kind of retreading some of the old ground. Um, the Gino Hernandez one was good, too. But I'm going to go with Savage just because I'm a Savage Mark. Okay. Yeah, Bruiser Brody one. And that's because just the people they got to speak on it, that's as close as you can damn near get to the situation. Yeah. So so that was great. And how candid, especially Atlas, was about the situation. Um, I thought that was really cool. So uh, that definitely great. I liked what they did with this whole series. Um, we'll see they have some independent one coming out next. Yeah, the wrestlers. The, the wrestlers. So we'll see how they handle that. It's obviously different. But it's cool to see them getting into wrestling and uh Doing it very well. The success of this has to lead to season two. What do you want to see in season two? Like if you if you were in that room, you're like, okay, now we got some, now we got the budget behind us. We got the buzz. Let's go for the gusto. What stories do you want to see? Man, it's a good question because there's a lot. And I can't, and it's funny because I can't think of anything right now. And I was just having a brain fart. Because there's there's gotta be a billion of them. Um it's, it's Dark Side of the Ring, you, I just think of like the worst things that could possibly happen. Uh, I don't know. So, off rip, I, I want to see Benoit. Oh, shit. That's like the obvious one. Off, yeah. off rip. I think it's like everyone talking, and, and I want to see people who were close to the situation when it happened. I need, I need to know the nitty gritties of this Benoit thing. Um, other people have put out good ideas. They did a Dino Bravo murder. Mm, yeah, Dino Bravo. That yeah. Which that, I feel like was... old school wrestling head, like you, AJ, um, uh, a lot of people, Danny. You guys talk about this all the time, and I know obviously of it. I don't know the nitty gritty like you guys know. And at this point, I don't want to know because if it is one, I want to enjoy it through the episode. 
Yeah, like the Dino Bravo one, that's crazy. Obviously, Benoit. Uh, I mean, it's just a lot of with death. Yeah. Like, you want to see, like... People I mean, say want... the Owen Hart accident. Yes. Uh, like, you know, from the perspective of what company did it, you know, how the ropes snap up, all right? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of ground they could tread, man. And you don't need the WWE's participation either. So there's a lot of shit they could talk about. Mm. Yeah, they yeah. got to have a season two. It's just It was just too good to pass uh, up. Someone said Sid and Arn Anderson. Did they fight that, on the plane? That's the airplane fight. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. That'd be super dope. Uh, a China one, someone suggested. Uh, Eddie Gilbert. Hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. God damn. Yeah. Yeah, someone pulled this out of the woodwork. Uh, a Freebirds one would be really cool. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, man. There's a lot. With like the there's... racism, like tinged angle. Yeah. And just being super food. heels, like in a point where kayfabe was super alive. Didn't they get death threats in like every city they went to? Fuck yeah. Like the Freebirds, I mean, duh, they, they had like Confederate flags, yo. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, like it, as much as they were over. It was also problematic. So, you, you know, you got to wonder with a lot of that. You're like the uh, opposite of the Von Erichs. Like, you just yeah. draw heat wherever the hell you go. I mean, they were the, they feuded with the Von Erichs and <laughs> heated rivalries in territorial history. Yep. So, yeah, I'd love to see all that. So many things they can now just uncover, which is incredible. Oh, and this one, which I didn't even think about, which is bananas, uh, Dynamite Kid. Yeah. That, that's yeah. just fucking sad, though. Like, but like anybody, anybody who's seen old Dynamite Kid matches. Oh, some Japan stuff thrown in there. There's so many good stories. There has to be. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't go back. Obviously, as a kid, you know, I watched the British Bulldogs, and I was like, oh, David Boy Smith. Then as time went on, I started to hear and see more about the Dynamite Kid, and then I was like, yo, he was amazing. Oh yeah. But man, I mean. Even even one on the British Bulldogs. Like, they could do, hypothetically, they could do a British Bulldogs, Dark Side of the Ring, on Davey Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid, because they're both dead. Oh, and man. I'd be here for it. I'd be absolutely here for it. And, and just mix it together. Yep. No, that's dope. Yeah, I mean, man, it's such a good series, though. So I can't wait to see what they come up with for the second season. Uh, let's dive into some of the stuff from this week. Again, I feel like pro wrestling has kind of just been easy to just go through. So next week will be a little more pro wrestling heavy. Um, so we have AEW signs the Turner deal. Which we knew was coming. Yes, we did. Uh, but it looks like, you know, they don't have to pay for the spots. That's a huge plus. And so- it looks like they're going to get primetime television. So Tuesday or Wednesdays, I'm assuming Wednesdays to not conflict with basketball. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, like you don't you don't want to go head to head like you know with the NBA game and TNT broadcasts a lot of those late games. Yeah. So um, it's not even like you can get the the rub from the early basketball game and go into you. There's always like a Golden State game on after that or something, you know. So uh, I'm assuming it's going to be Wednesdays. I it's good and it goes back to us touching on the Kenny Omega thing. Is I think he needs that weekly television. He needs to be. You know, must-see TV. I go back to, you know, kids in pro wrestling, to me, build a lot of the legacy. Understand where Mark's in, yes, adults, and that's who you cater to sometimes, especially Attitude Era and all this stuff. But the kids will keep you alive for 60 years. We'll keep them alive for 30. 
So these kids and, and how we pine over, you know, the boxers we saw when we were younger, the, the wrestlers and the Macho Mans and the Hulk Hogan's and just being accessible to us, a weekly television. And then going back and looking at the territory stuff or going to Blockbuster and getting things and revis revisiting these things. I think that's huge for Kenny Omega and his legacy. Mm, I'm not going to go through this entire argument with you. But <laughs> I love this. Like, it, it's good. Like, Kenny Omega being on <coughs> television is a good thing. It's not definitely not a bad thing. But I don't think in today's era that you need to be, like, on the status of a WWE to be considered a legend. And I'll point to this. I just came, like, last week I went to NBA 2K tournament finals, right? Yeah. Uh, that were happening here in Vegas. And uh, the amount of people that, that – it wasn't the amount of people that were there. The fact that they have 15 million people that watch people play video games is astounding to me because it sounds ridiculous. Like the only time I was watching somebody play was to wait my fucking turn. But now people watch. Like my nephew, all he does is watch YouTube. That's all my kids do. Okay, so this is my point. Kids don't even watch TV anymore. So a TV deal sounds good in theory, but it only caters to our demographic. Kids ain't watching YouTube. I mean, they're watching YouTube. They ain't watching TNT. Kids aren't. So it's not. WWE also has the number one YouTube. But yes, I but, agree. But that, my point is, is that they're not. You don't need a huge. Tele, like You don't need to be with the WWE anymore because people will find you. If I'm a pro wrestling fan, I will find your matches because I can just search them on YouTube because that's how kids are searching to find people playing Fortnite. And everything else. So, yeah, once upon a time, absolutely, you need to be on WWE television because there was no other way to see you. Now, you don't need it. It's like Kenny Omega is all like Kenny Omega is already recognized by most as one of the one of the top wrestlers. Period. Right. But greatest of all time is a long body of work, and that's why we talk about the Bret Hart's. And when we talk about Bret Hart, a lot of us talk about Bret Hart, but then it's like we're not just talking about his championship run. Because when he had his championship run, it was during a time when business was down and not a lot of people were watching the company as they are today. Yeah. I, I guarantee you that there are more people watching pro wrestling in general today than there were when Bret Hart was champion. So, yeah. so, so the concept that Kenny Omega needs this to establish his legacy, I think is completely false. I think it's good to have, but I don't think anybody's going to go, man, he wasn't on WWE, so he can't be the best anymore. That, 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 Theory is null and void in 2019. I don't know. You still got to put it in front of the kids' faces somehow, some way. But if they're not watching, who cares? That's all I'm saying. Like, they're not watching. If they're not watching TV, then what does it matter? Oh, my daughter watch. Like, my daughter is a huge mark, like wrestling mark. And she watches Raw and SmackDown. When she doesn't, she watches the recaps on YouTube. Like, her and her friends, like, I don't know why, but, like, and she's not like a nerd or anything. Like she's cool, and her and her friends like wrestling. Some weird shit, but whatever. So like she's always on it. She got my WWE Network password and all this stuff. And we'll watch New Japan and even NXT once she's here with me. But like her friends at school don't watch none of that shit. Like she's she's now the kid that puts other kids up on stuff. So it's just not like a, a consensus of like oh well yeah they'll find Kenny Omega or oh Kenny doesn't need that. The people who know him now are enough. Like no. The more people who know you, the grander your legacy is going to be. There, but, there's a reason why Bret Hart is bigger than, I don't fucking know, even Ricky Steamboat. Like, the platform goes a long way with people knowing you. 
That's that why was, Stone Cold Steve Austin is legendary. But that was when wrestling was at its hottest, and there was only really one business in town. It's like either WCW. WCW. Okay. But there was only but WCW's run, like when you really think about it, it wasn't really that long, right? So WWE has been the only company in town for so long. You don't need it, like no, like all right. Roman Reigns is the top merch seller. Nobody's talking about him as being the greatest of all time. No, no, no hell no. Like it's like, but again, he's not capitalizing off the platform. Like, like but, again, he's been given the platform. He just he's doing as much as he can with it, I guess. But who is who's been the like PWI has been the company that puts up those top five hundreds. And when I think is it's the done WWE? a lot for Daniel Bryan? I, I think it took from. The American Dragon, who was the greatest wrestler in the world for about a four-year span, five-year span, to now the Yes movement, to being on WWE television, these moments have taken his legacy to a whole new level. And he was yeah. amazing before he ever got there. But see, the, the, again, the problem is, is that I don't, I don't think you need the WWE. But Daniel the, Bryan the, wouldn't be Daniel Bryan without the Yes movement. You can't say he would. But what, is that, but what I'm saying is like he was already the best wrestler. Like, but again... The independent wrestling wasn't being consumed like the, like it is now. New Japan is a force now. New Japan has a network to now. us inside of it. No, so I'm wide, talking about in general. I'm talking about range of people who have no clue what the fuck New Japan is. We but, put so many people on on this podcast. To again, Nelly sold like 10 million records. Is he the best rapper of all time? No. No. Rakim did not. Rakim was exposed to a much smaller base Correct. of smart people who loved hip hop, and that's why a lot of people talk about Rakim being the best of all time. Correct. It doesn't matter. Like being on the major label, it's it's just like right now. Chance the Rapper is selling tons of rap records, is recognized as one of the best rappers in the industry, and is not signed to a major label. I agree, but now when you put Chance up against Drake, up against Kendrick, now what? Not when you're not when you're comparing Chance to the average and mediocre, because yes, Chance is still in the ninety fifth percentile. When you start going up against those top five percent, now what are we splitting hairs with? And that's where Kenny Omega is. It's rare no, air. But now when you're, when no, you're no, splitting no, no, hair no, no, up no. there, Drake is still bigger. No, he has a bigger splitting. platform. No, no, no. It, it, we, uh, so you're going to tell me that Drake will be considered a better rapper than Kendrick Lamar? I say to a large. A good amount? Yeah, I think it's debatable to a lot of people. Yes. Yes, I do. Based on what now? I I, I wouldn't put him above Kendrick. Let me not go there. But, but a but, lot of people, yes. Yes, they have they have Drake above Kendrick Lamar. Because yes, he can rhyme. Yes, he does have accolades. Yes, he doesn't make whack music. So if you go 2010 to now, there's a Mount Rushmore. It's J. Cole, Kendrick, Drake, and you fill out the last one. I mean, I put in Big Sean, but no one agrees with that. No, nobody agrees with that. Uh, you. you don't like Big Sean, but whatever. No, I, I do like Big Sean, but no. I would say those four are the, the cream of the crop these past 10 years. And, okay, Kendrick, to a lot of people, number one. Kendrick, in my opinion, as a rapper, should be number one. J. Cole is nipping at his heels, and Drake should be third. But to a lot of people, nope, Drake is, Drake is one, and everyone's trying to catch him. Platform matters. Drake at, is at those levels, one. you're splitting hairs no. and sales no. matter. Dog, dog, no, no. This is not how this works. Jay Z's better at rock him. Yes. To who? No, but, but here's my question. <laughs> to, I'm, I'm, my, the question becomes to who? Because what happens is legacy is established as time goes on. Right. Legacy is not established in the current here and now. 
So when we talk about Jay-Z, we're talking about a legacy that's been established for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Right? When we talk about Rakim, we're talking about a guy who changed the game. Correct. We're talking about everything that's different. Like when we talk about Drake, Drake is hot right now. But as the years pass, I don't think that when we talk about the greatest rappers of all time, that we're going to say Drake and Kendrick Lamar are the same person. Because the people who will say that probably have Nelly in their top ten. <laughs> That's wildly disrespectful. I don't think but they I'm have just, to have Nelly in their top I'm, ten. But I'm, but I'm saying because if you're basing it off of this criteria of selling right. records. But sooner or later it has, to, it has to be a measuring point when you're splitting hairs. It doesn't have to be the first, second, or third tiebreaker. But it could be a tiebreaker. Why? We're talking about talent. Like, if I'm talking about my favorite, the best wrestlers of all time, I'm talking about talent. Yes, o- and overall promos and being on television and the impact yeah. they made on your life has to count for something. Okay, but they don't have to be on WWE to do that, right? I think they do. They need a platform similar. You know, Wait, now why? you have to be on WCW or WWE, in my opinion, in the 90s to be on that level. But yes. this is this is the '90s. We're we're a different culture. That now it is different, and I'm, okay. I'm giving so a, I'm giving AEW the ability to maybe transcend to that level. Outside of that, ROH, no, you can't do it. New Japan, no, you can't do it. You can't be on those levels and stay on those platforms. You need to transcend those. So you're telling for the me only time oh, WWE was the only way to do it. Now I'll wait and see with AEW. Maybe who are the best, it can wait, wait, wait. There. Who are the best wrestlers right now? In your opinion, top three. Drake, it's right unfair because we're in the culture. I don't care. I'm asking you. Who are the top three wrestlers right now? Right in now, walking. All right. And I have to base this completely on like current resumes. So Kenny Omega, Johnny Gargano, Okada. Done. Okada is probably going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. Easily. And, okay. and, and us and the listeners of this podcast know his name. Not many others. But when we're talking about the greatest of all time. It this counts when someone knows you, though. No, listen, listen. When we're talking about the greatest of all time, access is everything, right? If, I, if people, enough people say Okada's name, they're going to Google that shit. And they can watch it on YouTube. It's not like 1990 when you said, um, uh, when, I mean, when you talked about Kenta, for instance. And yeah. it was like, I can't find him. <laughs> like, like that was the problem. Now yeah. it's like, if you want to find out who the greatest of all time is, yeah, it might be, might be inside ballpark to a lot of us. Like this is inside baseball to a lot of people. Yeah. But if you say it enough, people will go as as time goes on. They'll go back and find who Kazushka Okada is because it's not hard to find anymore. This isn't this isn't difficult. The only thing that happens now is Okada goes to the WWE. They ruin his legacy, and then he's not the greatest of all time. So you, th- that's the but if you're so good, I mean, they haven't ruined AJ Styles at all. That that is the exception and not the rule. <laughs> okay, Samoa like, Joe's all right. They haven't ruined him. They, I, but I'm is not it sure adding to his? Is it, has it added to Samoa Joe's legacy? No, I would yeah. argue being an NXT champion, um, being a champion in WWE, he has a lot more accolades. They could do a lot more with him. I don't yes, added. That's what I'm saying. It hasn't added. Um, it, it's, it's a minor notch. It's a, it's a tiny mean, boost. It should be a much larger boost. I'll give you that. I mean, but they haven't ruined him. Finn Balor has added. Um, is it? Has it? Yeah, his NXT run. He built NXT. Hell yeah. We're not talking about. We're talking about the, the WWE main roster because NXT is inside ballpark because that shit is on the network behind That's the true. paywall. All right. So um, we're talking about we're talking about main roster. Do you yeah, have to be on the main yeah. roster? 
Yeah, I feel Who? like Demon Entrance, Finn, like Finn, Finn's got a tiny boost. They haven't ruined them. Okay, so my argument is they're not ruining people. Okay, so they haven't boosted that's a, everyone. That's a bad argument. Yeah, like, like they boosted AJ Styles and probably AJ Styles alone. Everyone yeah. else they haven't ruined. Like AJ Styles was just, you know, like AJ Styles had really established how good he was once he left TNA and he went to New Japan. He ran the indie circuits. Like he's done the ROH thing. Like he was already made man. He came to the WWE and what did we all do? They're going to fuck this up. And they didn't. And, but he was the exception. And cause that's the thing. We all say it. They're going to fuck this up. When we saw Ricochet come, we're looking at like, man, how are they going to fuck this up? Nakamura, a guy who, was never really one of the best in New Japan, but the charisma and everything, we thought he was going to be a bona fide star. They fucked it up. Damn, he was so close to not being fucked up, though, Dre. When he but won I'm, the Rumble, it was like, ah, they did it. And then, so, yeah, they so fucked when, it up in the year. So when you talk about Nakamura now... Yeah, and they you, fucked you, it up now. They're fucking up Asuka as we speak. She's a Kimono warrior. So you're using the criteria that says you need WWE, but all WWE ends up doing to the casual fan is they're like, he, that's him? That's the guy that you said was going to be great, Nakamura. But so, you got to bet on yourself at that level. You got to bet on yourself that you're AJ Styles. You got to well, bet that you're Seth Rollins. You you, you got to bet something that you're. I mean, you're a you're big kinda, wig. You're kind of taking the money here. Like Nakamura is just kind of taking the money at this point. I don't think he's doing this shit for legacy. No, he's you're not. Money. Yeah, not don't give a fuck. He's he's but, he's in a retirement phase. But I'm talking about if you're Kenny Omega, if you're on this level, like if you're Okada for any reason. You're not going to come in and just go to fucking NXT or something. Like, you you are going in and you have to be a top dog immediately. But how do you do that? Because Nakamura was I mean, you're to be a top t- dog Im- immediately. And look what happened. Yeah, but I mean, fucking was, ain't even on TV. No, they put him on NXT. Like, they, they told you from Rip who Nakamura was. And they failed him. And the only other person that they... The only person they really didn't know what they had but realized quickly was Kevin Owens. AJ Styles, Kevin Owens. They were like, like yo... No, we have gems. Kevin Owens touched NXT. They're like, oh, no, you're way too good for this. Brought his ass up in like a month. But but that's what, like, these guys have already been established. They don't need it. Like, Kenny Omega doesn't and need it. And WWE's w- helped Kevin Owens a lot, by the way. And for who? For just notoriety, getting his skills out there. It brought what he already had to a way larger platform. They've right. had some missteps, but, man, it's helped him a ton. Like, and if he ends up as a joke character at the end of the day, because, yeah, we, we, he's going to lose to Kofi Kingston. But it, it, you don't need it to be the best. All it, all it is is, like, like, if Kenny Omega goes to the WWE and they ruin him, all people are going to do is shit on his legacy. Yeah, that's horrible. But if you go and you make it, then, damn, you're, you're but you, on Mount Rushmore. Do you know what the problem you're, is with this? You're in the Cena's, the Rocks, the Hearts, the Michaels. You don't add no New Japan, no ROH. Like, CM Punk ain't on there. American Dragon is not on there. But, because we're in a different era. But do you know where, like, Ric Flair, uh, this is a perfect example. Ric Flair's greatest matches were never in the WWE. Nope. But that platform helped so many people go find those. He was already made. Like, Ric Flair was made. If he never went to the WWE, he was made. He was already a GOAT. He was made. If you want to talk about him being more popular. Yes. I mean, the, the offsets of the world were never going to go look at NWA Ric Flair. But now it, they probably. No, I disagree with that. Because Ric Flair was made in w, WCW, NWA in the territories. And people who knew about Ric Flair knew about him because of that. When he came to the WWF, it was because NWCW. you knew who the fuck he was. Yeah. When, it's because you knew who he was on that scene. 
Yeah. He was the biggest guy that they didn't have. But you already knew who he was. The, and the WWE title, WCW titles added nothing to that legacy is what you're saying. No, what I'm saying is his legacy was already established. Cool, and Kenny's is established. But to be the GOAT, to be in... When we're splitting hairs at the top, Rick going to these companies helps split hairs, what, right? What hairs are we splitting? When you go top 10 ever, what, what Kenny's not I, jumping saying, Rick. What I'm saying, what are we splitting? No, no, Ric Flair's legacy is established because the Steamboat matches. Yep. Because... Kenny has Okada, sure. No, 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 no. Because he's wrestled for 30 fucking years. Okay, and Kenny can keep going. He's been around for 19 and 18. My, my point is that the legacy was already established. He didn't need, like, WWE. He didn't need Royal Rumble? No. He didn't need it. That, oh, no. It, it helps so much, Drake. What did it help? Does it help him become the greatest wrestler of all time because he won the Royal Rumble? Yeah, it, it, it definitely closes that gap. Yep. Really? Why? Because that match he was Because it's the greatest Royal Rumble Wait, ever? Because he was hardly fucking in it. Him and Heaton, it was the best um, piece of theater the Royal Rumble's ever seen. What is Ric Flair's best match of all time? Him, Steamboat. Uh, 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chi-Town Rumble, 88. 88. That's, that was not WWF. No. What was his greatest feud aside from Steamboat? Ooh. Dusty Rhodes, not in WWF. Wasn't the Sting one really good, too? Yeah. Sting one was really good. The Sting one was really good. Guess no, what? you're right with Dusty. Shit didn't happen with WWF. No, it didn't. Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> one of, who is one of the greatest of all time, arguably one of the best promos of all time, had his shittiest run in the WWF. Yeah, they really fucked him over. WCW had saved him, though. Didn't need it. The Von Erichs were one of the biggest group, like, ever. And I'm not I, discounting that Kenny Omega could be top 10, top 15. He can't be one through five without a bigger platform. He can't. Why? He's Why? not skipping the Austins, the Rocks, the Shawns, the That's that's the your Hearts. top five though, right? Is he that's in your, your top, top five? Is anyone without those credentials topping those guys in your top five? Because it, people that, say it's my top five, but when I ask everyone else to name their Mount Rushmore, they don't have anyone from Japan. They don't have anyone from the Indies. It's it all wasn't WWE. As does. accessible is my point. But as, even now when it is, people aren't redoing their Mount Rushmores. It's because it's the time of when you're consuming this era. Like now the access is there. Now I can Google Okada and Okada will show up. There was no fucking Google machine in 1988. All that shit's on Google now. No, no, no. I'm telling you back then in the heat of the moment when it was happening in real time, mm -hmm. you couldn't Google the shit. You can now. So there's no excuse to miss out on, on a Kazuska Okada and Okenny Omega when there was an 88. And that's the reason why people don't put them on their list. Because when it was happening in their time, they weren't able to get their hands on it. Yeah. Now you can get your hands on everything. So everybody's on pretty much a level playing field. Because also, nobody really gives a fuck about the WWF when it comes to talent anymore. You your can't Google something you don't know about. But, the, but there's no excuse. With social media, there's no excuse to not know shit. If you, if you want to be able to talk about your, the greatest wrestlers of all time, you best believe that you'll get laughed out of a building if you try to have that conversation with just the WWF. Your criteria yeah. is null and fucking void. And people will discredit you in a heartbeat because there's no excuse. And it's just like underground hip-hop today. Like the blog <laughs> era has brought these worlds together. Yeah. Right? So blog rappers who were only established on blogs, now it's an open playing field because everybody's on fucking iTunes. All you got to do is type in somebody's name. That's the level. That's where we're at. Def Jam don't mean shit 
in 2019 when it comes to the best rappers of all time. None of WWF don't mean shit because I can find it wherever I want it because it's there. The only thing that Def Jam can do is ruin my favorite rapper by saddling him with a fucking wax single or some bullshit. It's, it's not necessary anymore. It was back then. It isn't now. And that's my point. Kenny Omega doesn't need a WWF. He doesn't need that platform. If he's going to be the best, people who care about this culture have no excuse not to find it. None. Oh, man, we go for days on this. Let's go to the next topic. Oh, boy. We'll let the people speak on, on what's going on with that. And uh, so that was AEW, <coughs> which is supposed to be a 10-minute topic, which ended up a half hour. And then uh, New Japan, Super Juniors, what are you on, night three? Yeah, I just started night three, which isn't really a good night. No. First two <laughs> nights are pretty damn good, though. Yeah. Uh, Add fun. No, night three has a a pretty good match. It was, uh, what's his face? Marty Skrull had a good match again. Fun match. I mean, either way, three. we're kind of all looking at this like best of Super Juniors is uh, it's going to have a great final. Like whenever whoever's in it, we're going to watch it. It's going to be really good. Nobody's going to be surprised by any of this. Um, no, uh, no, man. It's, it's night one was great to me. Yeah, and uh, three is just yeah a little weird on the matchups. This might be the down night on how all the matchups shake out. But uh, it's still one of my favorite tournaments. This year's delivering, even without, you know, with the late changes to some of the cards and everything. Uh, Show and Yo are always fun. Every time this comes around, they, they kind of split as a tag team for a second. I always get reminded how good these guys are. They're, yeah. they're great at putting other people over. So that, oh man, I'm enjoying this tournament. And then um, take us into the summer one, months and uh, getting ready for another G1. And it's, it's going to be exciting. So we see how that goes. Uh, if you guys aren't watching New Japan, keep your eye on it. It's uh, really good right now as you prepare for Double or Nothing and to switch gears uh, this coming up week. Let's see. WWE tip. Money in the Bank, Dre. Oh, fuck me. Money in the Bank. We have, to talk, the about bank. This. We have to talk about Money in the Bank. Uh, before we get into the full preview, in which I'll run down the matches, and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't even know the regular matches on this. So this shit's going to be, you know, I'm just seeing it for the first time and picking people. But a uh, few things to touch on before then. Alexa Bliss is pulled out again. Not cleared for action. That's a little weird. You're starting to reach Paige territory. No, Paige got hurt once and it was over. Like, Alexa's just... I don't know. Like, I feel like they value her more... Um, As a mouthpiece? Yeah, like, she's established herself where she doesn't have to wrestle, so she can still find her way on TV. Uh, but yeah, we don't know what's going on with these injuries. Uh, she's been out of the ring, in and out of the ring for a while now. Yeah, you know, I mean, even more so than paid, like the Daniel Bryan, like you're here today, can't wrestle for six months here today. Like that shit's scary. So hopefully she gets fully healthy yeah, and doesn't push it and uh, she got a replacement. And then I'm really liking this new Bray Wyatt character. Just wait for him to fuck it up. That's all. You're so pessimistic. Can we give him one thing, right? One thing? No. No? no. Oh, my God. You won't waver at all. What if they don't mess this up? Then I'll be surprised. I'd rather be surprised than be let down at this point. Eternal pessimist. What a, what a way to look at things. Um, Just going off a track record. All right, let's start on some of these matches. We have Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. This is a dumb match. Yeah. And here's why. I don't mind Bryan and Rowan as tag team champions, but. 
Well, here's why it's stupid. It's on the pre-show. Yep. And it's against the team that's on Raw. Yep. And nobody thinks that Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan are going to lose this match. Nope. So why, so why are we even doing this? Don't know. Like, if you're going to do it as a showcase match, because that's what it is, because the Usos are really fucking good. Make the Usos champions. Go champion versus champions. You, you know what? Before, in, like, Who are I, the Raw Tag Team Champions? <laughs> Hawkins and Ryder. Oh, my God. I didn't even know. They just yeah. lost to the War Raiders. Like, here, here's something funny. Oh, I'm, me, Viking I'm, Raiders. I'm going back to our, our previous Kenny Omega argument. If the Usos left the WWE, they would enhance their profile. That's true. Because, I mean, they, they might have maxed out the WWE platform. So, yeah. yes, if they go other places, yes. They, if they became ROH tag champs, New Japan tag champs, and AEW tag champs, yeah, they're pretty much enhancing their profile. Okay. Yeah, so, I'll give you that. But, I mean, they've used, they've maxed out the WWE platform. It, it, works, it works the other way, too, Dre. You can max out WWE, go somewhere else, and then keep building. And you can build somewhere else, max out there, and then use the WWE. It works just, both ways. I'm not... Not I'm just doubting saying, that. I'm just saying. Yeah, anyway, I'll give you that. I'll give so, that to you. this this tag match is stupid. Um, but yeah, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan will win because there's no reason that it's crazy. Daniel Bryan was just in the fucking title picture at WrestleMania. Now he's on the pre-show. This yeah. is a weird business. They had a nagging injury, but uh, it's weird. So they just throw him back into a program. Um, Tony Nese versus Aria Davari. This, nope. Look, yeah, this is a <laughs> nope. this is where the black guy needs to walk in the room and be like, nope, because this is like. 205 Live has taken a nosedive. I just tried to watch this shit. It's unwatchable. Hey, last Why? week wasn't bad. But I'm just saying, Davari versus Nice? Yeah, look, that's weird. Tony, you're only as good as your champion, Dre. That's not dog, a good champion. They plucked Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy off of 205 Live to do absolutely nothing on Raw and SmackDown. Why did we do this? I don't know. That's a very good question. To this point, they're not even using... Uh... The heart of 205 Live, Mustafa. Like, you pulled them, and like now, and this is the same thing with NXT, which we'll probably discuss next week. The same thing with NXT. You're pulling town, so now anybody who's writing for these shows is like, dude, I don't know who's going to be here next week. And now you just leave them crumbs. But you take the town, you're not even utilizing it. Buddy Murphy, and, Buddy Murphy and Sister Giles, Buddy Murphy, has he even wrestled on SmackDown? One match? He's had one match. What, so why do they even pull him off 205 Live? And then you have this wild card rule, so just send their ass back to 205, because this is dumb. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tony Nese is not going to lose this match. Ari Devari is terrible. I have no idea what we're doing here with 205. Um, but yeah, this match sucks. Yeah, they need a new face of 205 Live. And I'm an advocate for 205 Live. This isn't it. Um, so yeah, I'm telling you, it would have been perfect to just have... You know, a champion, and I understand Gargano went back down to NXT. That's cool. But Leo Rush would have been great. You put the title on Leo Rush, a heel who will be an asshole on 205 Live every week and have him be Bobby Lashley's manager and actually show the purple belt every week. Not He doesn't even have to wrestle. doesn't have to defend it, but just come out wearing it. Would have been great. But, alas, Vince McMahon yeah. is going to see now. Um, Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. United States Championship match. I don't want Joe to lose the title, but he, he, he will. Won't. Nah, I don't think so. I think he really squashed Joe, Ray once. Like, what is good? Beat him again. I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, look, I don't know what the WWE is doing these days, but 
Joe's one guy who can establish that title, and him squashing Mysterio kind of makes it worse if you have Mysterio beat him. Yeah. Like, just, just set Joe to be a, good, a, a nice run with this U.S. title, please. Can um, we do that? And you know what? It gets lost in the shitty week-to-week of what is Raw. But I don't mind this Joe feud. I mean... Rey Mysterio, you know, the sun being in it and Joe, you know... I, mean, I, I like that. It's okay. It's not a bad program, man. It's not... It's, it's not a bad program. It's just not great either. But whatever. No, but everything's so bad around it that everyone just goes in and just fucking has a damper. If yeah. this was a program on a good product, you'd be like, okay, it's cool. If the product was good, you'd be like, okay, this fits. But it's not. So, they, alas, here we are. But yeah, so, so, yeah, so I'm picking Joe. Uh, I'll pick Rey Mysterio to win. Kofi versus Kevin Owens. Come on, man. Kofi wins. You can't take the title off Kofi this quick. And if you do, it's going to be anarchy. So, Kofi's got to win. No. Should be a good match, though. Yeah, it should be. Miz versus Shane McMahon. Steel cage match. I just want this for you to end. At first, I wanted there to be a proper. You wanted it to continue. Yeah, but now it sucks. Yeah, the Miz like, got to get his though. Miz got to win. He does, but dog, he beat up Sanity by himself. I I don't understand. Like what? Said, he beat him up so bad they broke up. Yeah, he sent him on their way. Like uh, to like, three different sure. brands. I think yeah, like, uh, Killian Dane's on NXT now. The other dudes in UK, and Lord knows what happened to EY. So we're doing a cage match because obviously Shane has to jump off of things that are high in the air. So I guess we get some crazy spot, but Miz will win. Ooh, yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Um, but if Shane touches the ground first, obviously he wins. So maybe Shane wins off of shenanigans going through a table. Um, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair. Oh, it's two Becky matches. Uh, let's start with Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans. Becky Lynch wins because there's no reason to think Lacey Evans in her first main roster feud ever is going to take out Becky Lynch. So I have a theory on all this. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it makes sense where these matches are placed. I think Becky's going to open the pay-per-view. She wrestles Charlotte. Um, she has a, a higher chance to lose Lacey, but I don't think she will. Here's what I think is actually going to happen. I think Becky's going to win both of her matches and retain both of her titles. But you know the fucked up thing? The woman who wins the money in the bank can cash in on a completely depleted Becky Lynch. Oh, shit. To take what belt, though? Ooh, I don't know. But See, I, that's, that's interesting. Do you take both belts? Like that, now, now we're getting to rare territory. Because, I like that. Because this is when I, like, I was sitting there thinking about this. And, I'm, <laughs> and I'm looking at, belts. I was like, Becky two belts losing kind of seems silly, right? Because she just got these two belts, and she's got two matches, and, that, and that's people like, People are starting to go, well, she's got to lose one of them to one of those two, right? And people are thinking, Charlotte. But if you really think about this, and the woman who wins the Money in the Bank ladder match can cash in that night on a woman who just had two matches. And what better place to do it and be a heinous heel than here? So I think Becky's going to win both of her matches. But if they want to really create a heel or really put heat on somebody, they cash in that night on Becky. I like it. We're going to run into a problem with that here in a second, but I like the way you're thinking. Uh, I think Becky beats um, Lacey Evans to start the night, and then Charlotte beats Becky because it's Charlotte Flair. Uh, But I think Becky is maybe attacked by Lacey Evans, really beat up, and then Charlotte takes advantage of it. Um, Roman Reigns versus Elias. Don't give a shit. I didn't know that show was a match. Squash match. Dude, talk about... 
like talk about neutralizing a guy who came back hot. Nobody gives a shit about Roman Reigns again. Good job, WWE. I don't know how you managed to fuck this one up. It was going to take a while because you couldn't put him right back in the title picture. (laughs) But it's like, damn, you you, put you. You haven't created any credible heels, Dre. Like they just bury heels. The more important thing, the bigger issue is not necessarily the Elias feud. Is you're overexposing him again. Yeah. Like you just you're having him open up Raw as a SmackDown guy. Yeah, you no, know it's, that's not boding yeah. well for him. But like no. I think you said in our group chat, or you might have said it here on the show, the mid card is so weak you can't even stick people back in the mid card to rehab their characters, or you yeah. know just to like if you miss some time because of injury before they put you in the mid card, the mid card is strong. You get your bearings back, and then boom, you're up to the you know to the top tier again. The mid card is so weak you can't do that. Nah, and that and that was once. Yeah, I said it in the group chat. Once upon a time, you know, there was a time where guys like Mr. Perfect, Jake Roberts, Rick Rude, they were like, only like IC champions. They didn't win the major title, and they're recognized as greats because they had great mid card programs. How Ricky, great? Like Ricky Steamboat versus Macho Man Randy Savage is arguably one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. It was mm-hmm. for the fucking IC title. Yep, and you look at how great would even like say they both win this. This time, okay, cool. They cooled him down a little bit. But Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe, three-month program? Just saying. Like they, but they don't that's, care. Like The mid-card don't matter. That's the heel. That's the mid-card feud you need. And that would take Roman Reigns back to where you got to go. Maybe. Unless they have Roman squash him like they usually do. And yeah, which then is, the- yeah, which is dumb. Yeah. But that's so. a feud. A three-month program heading into SummerSlam where it feels big. He doesn't have to headline right away. But you, you build Joe beating him a couple times and then him winning at SummerSlam. That's how you do it. But nope, they won't. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take Roman Reigns, squash match. And then Seth Rollins, AJ Styles. Come on. Seth Rollins. Good this match. Is happening. Yeah, it's all, but it's, it's not a good match when the ending's not in doubt. That's my problem with this match. Yeah. Like, if, if this was a match at, like, SummerSlam when Seth has had a nice little run and you go, ooh. <laughs> Who could win this match? Now it's just like, oh, we're just doing it to have a good match with Seth Rollins. Yep, so just to point. get some filler. Yep. Um, and then let's go to the women's Money in the Bank: Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, Carmella, Nikki Cross. Who's the heel that you're putting in that situation, Dre? Who do you elevate to the level to cash in on Becky? Okay, so here's the challenge. The heel that the WWE would put in there is Mandy Rose. Of course, because Vince loves blondes. And that's that's my pick to win the Money in the Bank and cash in on Becky. Ugh, okay. Another not person who that, hasn't had a main roster feud, but okay. Not because I like Mandy Rose, it's because I know how the WWE thinks, and they've been pushing Mandy Rose along to where you... Like, the the Oscar match was like a litmus test. Can't she handle it? And she's gotten a lot better, so... She has, she has. Vince loves his blonde, so... There you go, Mandy Rose. Me personally, this is the perfect time for the Bailey heel turn. Ooh. Bailey wins money in the bank and cashes in on a because remember, if 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 there was any consistency to the stories, when Becky won the titles, she appeared on SmackDown, it was Ember Moon and Bailey who appeared to talk about challenging Becky Lynch mm-hmm. for the title. And Bailey has nothing else to do right now. Her character needs a reboot and a refresh. What better way to turn Bailey into the biggest, one of the top woman heels by having her cash in on her friend and fellow horsewoman, Becky Lynch, in the cheapest manner possible when she's completely beat up. Like, Bailey could come out, you know, I don't know, whatever happened, but that's, that's the move. They're not going to do it. So I yeah. think Mandy Rose is going to be the one. Come out, try to hug her and congratulate her. 
you know, one holds up, Becky holds up both belts, Bailey holds up the briefcase. Becky turns around, Bailey hits her with the briefcase. Boom. Or Bailey or Bailey just kind of runs down and is just like, fuck it. She sees that as soon as she wins, she just cracks her over the head with it. <laughs> like there's Charlotte so many, has to be shocked as fuck. All that. Yeah. Just, like there's so many ways to play this right to rejuvenate this women's division that's in kind of disarray right it, now. It's too right for them to do. That's it's it's too right for them to do it. So the easiest way, the easiest path is with Mandy Rose. The other interesting path is if Vince is bored, like if Vince is really bored and wants to do some shit that fuck people up, Dana Brooke wins that shit. Because for whatever reason, I've heard good shit about Dana Brooke though. But the, the, what, like for whatever reason, they've been kind of pushing Dana Brooke along lately. So she's like the dark horse and win money in the bank. Yeah. But she's just not really good in the ring. But that never mattered because Carmella was champion. So. There's that. Yep. And Dana might. I, I've heard good stuff. Like, she she works hard. So, fuck it. If this is her day, then cool. Um, men's Money in the Bank. Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Mustafa Ali. I refuse to just call him Ali. Finn Balor, Cien Almas, Randy Orton. So, I think Sami Zayn has to win. <laughs> but Drew McIntyre wouldn't be bad either. Anyone but Corbin. Well... See here, so here again. Here's another thing: Are we doing what's probably right, or we're gonna do what's probably going to happen? You're gonna burst my bubble. Probably, what's probably gonna happen is Baron Corbin. Well, no, I don't think so because they've tried this shit already with Baron Corbin. Yeah, logically, it makes sense because you had him beat Kurt Angle. You kind of he's always in the upper mid card or the. I don't know. So it seems like he would be there, but McIntyre is the logical pick. Because he's a guy who looks like a guy who should be main eventing shit, right? Yep. The problem with, with, with McIntyre is it only makes sense if he wins and he goes to SmackDown. Because he's already had a program with Rollins, and it feels like it doesn't make any sense to do that shit again. The, but my, me personally, Sami Zayn should win this shit. Yeah, I want Sami to win it. Like the, If you've had this character just cutting shit down and being an asshole, he's a lot better asshole with a briefcase. Sami Zayn would be insufferable with that briefcase in a good way. Like if you, if Sami Zayn, like him beating Strowman on Raw, finding his way into this match, winning, and then being the guy who kind of carries that briefcase around. Because the other thing is, Sami's the guy who cashes in, and it's the cheapest way possible. Sami's the guy who he's he's the, in my mind right now. Not and he doesn't cash in today. Maybe months down the line. He's the only guy that'd be like, all right, fine. If if, if Kobe's got to lose to somebody, it's got to be fucking Sami Zayn. Because Sami's never held a major title. Sami works his ass off, and he's owed something sooner or later. And I know Kofi. Again, people don't want to see Kofi come up off the belt that quick. Um, but to elongate these programs, I wouldn't mind Kofi losing it. Now that I think about it, if Sami Zayn wins, I wouldn't mind Owens beating. Kofi, Sammy cashing in on Owens immediately. Sammy walking out with the belt, and Kofi and, and Kevin are in the ring. Like fuck, what just happened? Because they've been mixing Sammy Zayn into that feud the past couple weeks. Yeah, and, and it's it's possible. And then just but, have Kofi chase Kevin chase, and you set up a nice three way for Kofi to win that shit back. Just I don't think Kofi should come off the title. I think, and the reason why is because the the writers' room at the WWE is it's such a mess that they would push him back into the mid card. So that's where I'd be a little concerned. But I think Sammy's the right guy to win this shit because he can, he can tease it. Like, everything he does is like, Drew McIntyre, you look at him and he's like, the fuck does he need a briefcase for? Have a fucking match. He'll win it. Yeah. Like, briefcase is usually made for a guy to win in a cheap way. 
And Sammy just he just looks like a dirt bag when it comes to that. <laughs> He's the perfect guy for it. So yeah, we'll you know, he does look like a dirt bag. I mean, you built up this dirt bag character. You might as well go all the way. Full gusto. Well. So, um, nah, man. So that's Money in the Bank. Reviewing it was actually more enjoyable than I thought. Probably more enjoyable than the actual pay-per-view this Sunday. Um, that's our show for today, though. Like I said, again, you guys, make sure you support everything we got going on this week. We appreciate you guys listening every week. If you're in Vegas, come to the show. Um, both of them, we would love to see you guys hang out. The merch will be here. I'll put it online. I'll make that uh, purchasable. I don't know. I'll set up a website for you guys to buy that as well. The Corner Club uh, t-shirts, which are going to be super dope. So make sure you follow us on all platforms at The Corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at The Old Man on Trey's Hale. Trade, long ass show, but we needed this. It's going to be a long ass week. It's going to be fun. Uh, thank all you guys for being along the ride. Till next week, though, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.